If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to another episode of Remap Radio. I'm your host, Rob Zachney, and this is episode 32 for January 26th, 2024. Today we are joined by Ricardo Contreras. Let's go! Are you Microsoft management? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, it's not let's go. I think that is you have to go. Oh, um, no. t- Or time to Fuck. go. Uh, uh, you're Patrick Klepik there, Ooh. and we're also joined by Janet Garcia. Hello. Kato, you're so precious. I really Th- appreciate thank your you. positivity. <laughs> As always, we're a listener-supported show. If you enjoy Remap Radio and wish to become a supporter, you can learn more at remapradio.com. Our website has links to our memberful page where you can sign up for a monthly or annual plan. It gives you access to exclusive Remap content and helps keep us going as a team. Let's get into today's topics. Uh, new topic, same as the old topic, ongoing topic, uh, layoffs in the games industry. The the top line when we had sort of slated to talk about the most notable layoffs in the industry this past week were until like about an hour before recording the layoffs at Riot. Uh, about 500 people were let go from Riot, and we can get into that in a moment. But that was sort of eclipsed by the fact that about 2,000 people were let go from Xbox, uh, Microsoft's gaming division, uh, this morning with layoffs apparently concentrated at the newly acquired Activision Blizzard. Uh, this is still something where, like, I haven't, I have yet to say anything that clearly, like, delineates who has been hit. Patrick, do we have anything yet indicating, like, which teams, which developers? Is there is there a pattern? Does it sound like a, you know, just across-the-board headcount over at the, the new company? I think it speaks to the confusion that maybe we'll have some clarity when, you know, the cycle of the emails go out or the HR meetings happen. The, the, like what frequently occurs is this announced announcements like this happen, but they don't happen after people are informed. This announcement happens and then people are informed. And so we're in this this waiting period uh, alongside, you know, the people that work uh, within the Xbox division. But what speaks to, I think, Jason Schreier of Bloomberg um, put out a tweet just uh, just a few minutes ago ahead of our recording saying uh, essentially that, that he was getting texts from workers at the company asking if he knew where the layoffs were happening so they could get a sense on whether it was concentrated right. on their teams and others. So I think it speaks to the sheer volume, right? Yeah. Like it's 1900 ish people um, like that is a, a massive amount of 
uh, of workforce to be in just coordinating those layoffs is itself an incredible amount of work. And so the idea that we don't have a full picture of what's happening is not super shocking, but I'm glad you pointed out in the beginning that you said Xbox, because often what happens is Microsoft, you know, is a, as recently as this week, a a trillion dollar company, uh, very briefly, at least according to market value. uh, uh, And sometimes when Microsoft lays people off, it sometimes hits the games division, but is not, you know, concentrated there. This one very specifically seems to be, this does happen. People should have been prepared for this, as grim as it is, when there are acquisitions occur, especially ones on the scale of an Activision Blizzards. There are what they call redundancies, uh, which is often concentrated in fields like marketing, sales, in which you have teams in place at the company that is acquiring the company and those people are like not likely to lose their jobs. They're acquiring you, and some people will be fortunate enough to integrate or move around. But it is uh, it's very common for these types of layoffs to occur, especially at a company uh, at this scale. Activision Blizzard being one of the most, you know, one of the biggest quote unquote independent third party uh, game companies out there. The fact that there would be an enormous amount of overlap with a company like Microsoft that is doing a lot of the same work. Is, is not shocking. I think the part that we're trying to unpack is how much of this is normal, expected churn as a part of mega acquisitions. How much of this is laundering additional headcount layoffs because the industry is trending in that direction? How much of this is uh, Microsoft having completed an analysis of Activision Blizzard as a unit and discovering, oh, what were you all doing over there? What have you been building for six years? Uh, to, 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 uh, to point that out, Blizzard's uh, been working on a survival game that, uh, based on the Overwatch engine for the last uh, six years uh, or so. Uh, it's one of their was one of their projects they were talking fairly openly about that it was staffing up. They liked what they were seeing. Some of the reports internally that have been uh, kind of leaked out had suggested the game seemed pretty good. And look at a game like Pal World. Survival games are very very big. But that team, uh, that team did not survive uh, this acquisition, or at least this sort of whatever this moment in time is, as everything sort of gets finalized between uh, Activision, Blizzard, and and Microsoft. So I think it's difficult to pull apart all these different things, but they certainly add in a direction that is a just an unfathomable number of people that are in the process, literally as we are recording this, finding out that they no longer have jobs, and I think it's. It's worth pointing out some uh, something that uh, any developer, Rami Ismail, uh, said on Twitter, which was last year, which felt like catastrophic cascading layoffs. The tweets from company statements or developers that said, I've lost my job, were frequently followed by a bunch of studios saying, hey, we're hiring. Like, there are jobs out there. What we're seeing in January of 2024 were uh, – Three-fourths through the month, we have hit, I think, something like 60% of the layoffs from 2023's total. You are not seeing those same responses. The like here oh, this is, is the a media list. layoff in mid-2023 vibe, where yes. like suddenly when you were newly available, unlike several cycles of layoffs before, where it was like, hey, like let us know if you know you need a landing spot, there's work. Stuff is happening across the industry at this point where people are not comfortable making that that offer No, or it's just not available. Right. Yeah. It's just like this. We're at a satch like a saturation. I mean, it's, you know, when we all those cascading layoffs were happening in our industry last year, the longer that we didn't get laid off, 
While in some ways it was, oh, cool, I still have my job. In other ways, it's, oh, no, you're drum- you're dumping me into a zone. You're just parked gonna- <laughs> in the middle of the game musical chairs. Yeah. yeah. So there's there are not that many chairs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I think that's that's something definitely worth uh, like something worth emphasizing here is that like a lot of times when we talk about layoffs, we've been talking about like what does this wave of layoffs signify what's going on with each individual one? There's kind of two things that I want to make sure like people do not think we're conflating. What like one is the thing that like the human cost of things like this and the fact that like people do deserve to have like stable living situations and not have to uproot their lives and not have to worry about like how are you going to keep a roof over your head? How are you going to, you know, uh, put groceries on the table. How are you going to send kids to school? How are you going to support aging family members? All the like human life stuff. People deserve to not have to worry about that. Um, but then there's the fact that unfortunately to do all that, you know, the way we have structured our society, you need a job and a job exists for a lot of reasons uh, and it can disappear for a lot of reasons. Uh, and so like, it's worth prizing that apart. Cause I think it's easy to think like, when you're analyzing what's going on, it can seem callous. And to a degree, we are in the cheap seats, right? We are we are observers of the industry, but we're not caught in the middle of this churn. I like to think we have a little more empathy for it because we were in churn like this for <laughs> yeah. a number of years. Like, I, you know, we were lucky enough to survive a lot of layoffs at Vice, but I would describe my years there as like living a, living in a spin cycle uh, is, is kind of is kind of how it felt. So we're talking about like what's going on with different different layoffs. That's not, you know, at no point are we saying like, well, obviously, you know, these people deserve to lose their jobs. No, that's not that's not what we're saying. Nobody deserves to have the the chaos that's inflicted uh, when, when you lose your job. But it is worth asking, like, what's going on in these different in these different stories? What are these what are these publishers and studios doing? Because I do think there's times when it feels like people just want to get. Um, and I think this is where people get most caustic. There are times we look at what appear to be uh, successful um, companies with going concerns, and it feels like they are reducing headcount mostly to fat and profit margins. And that, I think, is the stuff that makes all our blood boil. Uh, the fact that it often means that the people who keep their jobs are, you know, doing the classic do more with less, while the, you know, extra revenue is pocketed by people up top. And then there are cases like what you just outlined, Patrick, which is that in a major merger and acquisition, you can almost set your watch by the time that someone is going to go through and try to find the places where there's overlap between the acquiring company and the acquired company and make layoffs. Um, It will be really morbidly interesting to see with these uh, Xbox layoffs, how far into development staff does it go? Right. Because I think, yes, it's easy. It's sort of easy to understand, like Activision as a huge publisher would have had a ton of like infrastructure and support staff that maybe under Xbox isn't as necessary. But I think one of the theories that was always sort of floated about Microsoft's acquisition spree uh, and a lot of acquisitions that were going on, uh, like, you know, in the years like even before COVID, but especially like around the time of COVID was about like acquiring dev talent at a time when it was it was tough to staff up it was tough to it was was tough to find people uh you know available for work because like the the market was so strong uh so i think it's it's going to be very interesting to see 
to what degree is this Microsoft looking at, hey, we just acquired a major publisher and we don't need all the stuff that a major publisher contains. And to what degree is Microsoft doing what appears like a lot of people across the industry are doing, saying that, hey, there's not as much, we're not feeling as bullish about the business case for a lot of games that we would otherwise be making. Right, and it's going to take a long time for the dust to settle uh, on all that um, because it's not, again, the acquisition makes this extremely fuzzy. You know, you look at the Riot layoffs, which uh, I, I'm sure there are plenty. In, in, in any of these cases, there are always legitimate criticisms of the management, decisions made, decisions they won't make for themselves. But you, like, you look at the Riot ones, and I forget what the division is called that essentially spins out. Uh, it, it, Riot Forge, I believe is what it's called, uh, in which... They partnered with independent game developers to create games based on characters and worlds, mostly from League of Legends. Um, and the idea was like, oh, like we'll partner with these really interesting game studios. They'll do extensions of League of Legends in the same way that we did this Netflix show, Arcane. That was a huge success. Go look at, again, this is just a base metric. Go look at the Steam reviews of every single one of those games. Every single one more or less flopped and was played by nobody. Oof. And so... Those games seemed interesting. I tried every single one of them for about an hour. And <laughs> I, I get those games for free. Um, and that's right. not to say those games aren't good. Uh, maybe that was a failure of marketing, of like player awareness. A lot of things go into a uh, – but that, that's a clear example where are there layoffs at Riot that probably are grossly unnecessary and are just going along with the tide? Probably, almost assuredly. If you asked me, did I think Riot Forge was going to last another year? If I if you asked me that before they did the layoffs, I would have said no, because it doesn't seem like that had been a successful endeavor. It was successful in the sense that they made a bunch of cool games. But considering all the other contexts, I was not surprised that they've decided to shutter that particular part of the company. That, But the thing is, that's an outlier. I can look at yeah. data available to me, and I can see a through line for why you would go, this was an experiment that didn't work out at the company uh, yeah. Hopefully those people can be shuffled around. That doesn't always happen. It, you know, it's it's cruel. It goes back to the societal decisions we've made, like you pointed out, Rob, of like you need a job to do basic things if a thing fails at the company you work for. The fuzziness for so much of this other stuff is just trying to pick apart the, the why. And like, is there, a, is there a, some world that you can justify or find a through line through? And, you know, you look what happened with Embracer. Th that's just a company that fucked up. Like, None of like you can't blame anything that's happening in any of those those acquisition studios because it's just clear they thought they're going to have free money forever. And then the Saudis don't show up with a bunch of more free money. And OK, now thousands of people pay the price. And it's just I just use the right case as like a a rare instance where I feel like I can see. I'm not trying to justify people losing their jobs and, and experiencing to like tumult in their lives. But no, I but it's a clear case where like the risk is like to a degree, there's kind of a shared risk there, which is like riots saying, like, well, we think there's a growth opportunity in making these games. And the risk they're taking is like, we're going to hire a bunch of people to make this stuff. Risk you're taking taking that job is like you're at a company where you're like, am I working on the product that they have statues of in the lobby? Am I working on the thing that pays for everything? And if you're not on that project to a degree, like you are exposed to greater risk, just working at the company, even if riot itself is like a much more stable. I am. I suspect people who worked on things like riot forge probably had conversations like this a lot about like, 
how do we <laughs> what's the vibe check or, or, around this? But I mean, like, we did we we did that all the time, right? Like we you do vibe checks, you know, like where do we fit in the company? Like I, I think I always joked when the rare time that we would get mentioned in a vice all email is like, all right, boys. We made it another six months. I get it in an all email. It means they know who you are. And maybe that means that on a spreadsheet, we're a little bit higher than somebody else because you, you end up doing that, right? And maybe you end up, get, you get stuck there, right? It's not as easy as saying, hey, I signed up for Riot Forge. I, hey, I've seen the numbers. I don't think this is working out. I should move. You might not be able to move. And then, then you know, you're trying to make... You know, it's not like there was somewhere else in Vice for us to shift to either. Um, you know, you just sort of ride it out and then hope that the industry is in a place, you're personally in a place that you can you can do something else. But again, it's they flooded the zone. Like there is just, you know, I think there was a, uh, you know, a separate piece in Games Industry Biz that sort of tried to look at uh, what is the next couple of years supposed to be like. And this is before the riot layoffs. This is before the, the Activision layoffs. This is earlier this week, although it's three days ago, you know, before all that stuff. <laughs> um, and, and, and the headline of this at JBiz is game industry leaders braced for up to two years of pain. 2024 will be a year of closures warned senior bosses. Uh, and that, you know, our thought that 2023, well, that was bad by every indication publicly in terms of what we're seeing in raw numbers, people losing their jobs, and then privately people that are looking at the numbers and probably making the, the decisions on who's going to keep and lose their jobs are saying, essentially expect the worst. Whatever you think it's going to be, it's going to be worse than that. And that is a, that's a difficult, how do you even brace for that? Like, what are you prepping? A resume? To go where? You know, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's it's really dispiriting. I, uh, the, speaking to something that, Rob said earlier about uh, the sort of shared risk and also the way that that headline you just read, Patrick, was phrased. Um, well, can you so say it one more time? The leaders brace the, for pain. The leaders Game brace for the leaders. Braced, yeah, yeah. The yeah. leaders are not and probably but probably should be the ones bracing for like, you know, you I've seen a ton of tweets of people comparing these situations to when uh you know, Iwata took a pay cut at Nintendo in order to avoid right. layoffs. That sort of thing that just you don't see basically anywhere else across the across. Did the he industry. avoid actual layoffs? Who's to I say? Don't know. Like, but like, but it's at, at least, least like, a gesture, right? Like yeah. you took he took a salary hit. Like it was on the books. Yeah. Like he actually took yeah. less money, and so like I agree. supposedly that extra money went to continuing to fund the people who were already there. But like specifically, the riots thing is just like the the most. Uh, like egregious kind of example, I think, of how protected the ownership class is in these situations. All of the decisions that were made for this by the old Riot CEO who left in May are mm -hmm. just now coming to bear. And that mm -hmm. guy just left. He just left to go live in France and be with his family more. Like he was just like, I'm done. I have enough money. Peace. Well, like I, I he didn't say... have any repercussions for the fact that like there was no foresight to like how well is this going to like be how sustainable is this going to be right well, it's very much chasing the sort of like well you know we could probably make a ton of money if this hits right let's fucking do it uh the thing and, i'll say there though is yeah. that like oftentimes that thinking is like how the jobs exist in the first place right like it is like for a number of years i had to sort of sit with the, like i was keenly aware that like should vice have hired me 
Like, <laughs> more to the point, should Vice have hired a bunch of people, like in its in its final ways of hiring? Because you walk in the door and you're like, oh, this isn't. This may not be panning out the way they think, but mm. the fact that they were like, hey, this could hit. Got me a job. There's obviously always a risk when starting a new enterprise, but I think there is certain levels of like foreknowledge and like understanding of what your IP is and how like it can spread into like. Like, I don't know, like, yes, Waypoint was obviously some risk by Vice, but it made sense to have people, like, they already had people talking about video games there. So it's just like, yeah. let's expand this thing that already exists. And, like, the whole Riot situation of just, like, the the amount of, like, people that, like, were a part of that, just that thing, instead of it being a slow, gradual sort of, uh, like, exploration, uh, that it's the level of which... It's a level scale. of risk. Like, are, you, are you scaling yeah. because well, you want to build the big cool thing, or then, because you're trying to build a sustainable enterprise? And then, like you know, it'd be a different story if once it starts to fail, the person at the top who made those decisions to go ahead you took a pay cut or something, or like d- had any consequences laid upon them. But be, you know, of course. Well, but a lot of times we're t- the months we're talking about like 500 yeah. game developers in yeah. crucially. I think largely, maybe entirely in Santa Monica, which is a key part of this. We should not overlook. So they're, so they're all like, making at least six figures, right? right. All like, of this. Yeah. But what's six figures in LA? Like, like all I mean. of this yeah, is yeah. like really a lot of where I do get irritated about this is like you're well paid on paper, but then we brought everyone to expensive <laughs> markets where like yep. losing that six figure job means that, Oh, you were month to month, you were paycheck to paycheck. But yeah. To Kato's point, though, I, I think the the awkward part of this is, yeah, in retrospect, like safer or more responsible to not place this big bet. Placing the big bet is probably why hundreds of people had jobs uh, for for a period because it was like we're just going to go jump in with both feet, hope it hope it pans out. Uh, like t- to a degree, I think being conservative on that front does mean like you're probably hiring more slowly. You're probably mm-hmm. like. Riot Forge ends up being a really small skunk works team that is maybe a very stable job, you know, experimenting on the, mar- on the margins. Right. But probably isn't as big as this. You avoid the ugliness and personal disruption of like hundreds of lives in a layoff like this. Yeah. But also you don't have the hundreds of jobs that have existed for a period of years. That's, you know, that's that's some of the trade off, like to a degree, a lot of a lot of people's careers can be spent on the backs of people making bad decisions and, and you might hop from people making bad decision to bad decision and get laid off multiple times. But in the meantime, you sort of cobble together a career on the, on the back of that, because there's a lot of people who are thinking I'm expanding into this zone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as long as, you know, again, <laughs> going back to the media conversations, there's always this vibe of, you know, after the like so great to have you on the team, you know, future's bright, the like conversation after the first day, you know, at the bar is so frequently. So how long do you give this? <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. there's a lot well, of people who like get into a job knowing that like, hey, if this if this works out and I hope it does, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I, 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 like- I, I walked out of when when. I was hired when Austin reached out about Waypoint and was Vice, you know, games. And I had a meeting with management 
as a way of like selling me on like the final steps of the job. I remember walking out to the cab. I had to go to the airport because uh, my wife was still pregnant um, and like about to go into labor, like in the next couple of weeks. So I had to, to, to scoot home. I looked to Austin and said, well, he's like, what do you think? I was like, it'll be an interesting year-ish. Uh, <laughs> it was like, cause that, <laughs> you know, and not cause I wasn't sold. Flash forward like to the, your kid entering kindergarten, just yeah. you know, for how things play out. But yeah, well, but, but that's, but that's, it speaks to exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Rob is like, I've been here. I've talked to these people. Mm-hmm. They all seem very nice and like well-meaning and excited about the project. I was like, are those people going to be here in 18 months? And then what do we mm. do? I was like, but I was like, they're ready. They're, they're about to give us a bunch of money and we can build a thing. Let's go have fun for 18 months. Cause that's how I thought about it. Like, this is not something I'll be here for seven years. And it was a tumultuous seven years, a lot of ups and downs. <laughs> we lost the waypoint brand. Then they gave it back to us. I mean, like it's just, it's kind of wild when you think about the, the, the project in totality, but that I thought about the same way. And like Austin and I were realistic. It's like, yeah, this might be 18 months, then we all jump ship, and I guess we'll go somewhere else. Cut to seven years later. I just took, I just ripped that fucking ship out and said, give me, I'll take this wood. I'll build my own ship. Thank you very much. That's, yeah. that's, that's part of the issue, though, I feel like that we're starting to hit is there aren't new jobs coming, it feels like. Or at least there's going to be a larger gap be- before the next... The- there aren't as many Starter of these ex, uh, veterans at X Studio form new company. Like I mean, you, Riot like, has one of those, right? Like they're they're making that weird MOBA Smash hybrid game. Um, I mean, some of those ex- some of those exist, but that but I, like, I was get, you know in in throughout COVID, like yeah. the earlier days of that, I was you were getting headlines of that all the time. All it's the just, time. There's a lot of money. These veterans are leaving. They're forming a new thing. They're off to build a game. That that just doesn't. You're just not like maybe if you're building a Web3 game or, you, or you're promising to have <laughs> AI NPCs. And there are some folks uh, that are getting away with it, right? Like there's some X Rock Steady folks that just announced that they're building up a studio, some X Rockstar people who are senior on GTA. But <laughs> there are very few people in the games industry who can say, like, I did the Arkham trilogy. Like I was a lead on Grand Theft Auto right. while it was the biggest thing in video games. You know, most people are several tiers below that, not in expertise, just in circumstance of how, you know, where their careers led them. Those sorts of startups are not, or if they are happening, what are they more likely to be? Mm-hmm. Like I can, I can hire 20, 25 of my friends and let's build a prototype for the next two years. Or is it more Kato, which you spoke to earlier? It's, it's a couple of us. Like we either get a little bit of money or right. we can make it work on the side. And it's, it's a handful of us that are building something and maybe we'll get lucky and it'll turn into something down the line. It's not, it, there doesn't seem to be. There's not life rafts for everybody. And like, where do those people end up? Well, they probably leave the industry. Like that's, that's like, we're about to experience like the most collective, the largest brain drain that this industry has seen in, I I don't know. I can't remember the last time the layoffs have been that, I mean, 2008, you know, but I don't know how that concentrated that was in video games necessarily. But this, this last year and a half is probably the, the most concentrated loss of talent that will just be completely invisible. Just games won't, get made they're, they're, like just things won't happen and we'll just never know because they're they're alternative timelines for for a world which was slightly different yeah it's a rarity to know things like an announced survival game project ended like for every project that we hear ends there's a kajillion more that are have you know been snuffed out you can't talk about that, it you have an nda yeah. that doesn't let yeah. you share your work on it <laughs> yeah exactly so there's a lot of what happens we're not necessarily privy to um but yeah, like I've, I've been kind of just eyeing the timeline to see if I can get a sense of 
anyone who has gotten let go. So far, the only one I've seen is um, the community manager for um, Fallout uh, was let go. So, and I'm like, it's always community. Well, that's not even, well, yeah, one, you're right. It is always community. It is always those like frontline. It's not even a job, I think, is that expendable. It's it's (laughs) weirdly, it's treated as super expendable. (laughs) Like, all right, well, time to make cuts. First against the wall, community manager. It's like, yeah, like the big, it's like, it's like, it's, this is your front is facing, drop in the bucket. Yeah, this is like your public facing face, right? Like that seems well, it is like kind of a like horrible it's almost idea. The equivalent of like <laughs> for it's kind of like it's an imperfect analogy, but you know how like every store now sucks because everything is locked down because there's no floor walkers, there's no staff to like actually make the thing nice to interact with. <laughs> I feel like to a degree that goes on when you're like, let's just nail that community team. Uh, to an extent, because like this is like you don't necessarily need community team for the big public facing like top down level. Here's the here's the roadmap. But the day to day stuff where like the development team is not available to be like, oh, yeah, here's what we're working on for the next like two years. It's it's the day to day. It's just it's just odd. This position is treated as like eh, we got to make cuts. What's <laughs> the most painless one we can make community? I don't think that's true. I don't is this, think is this, it's the best biification of video games. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Jesus. We, t- we talked about that. I can't they remember can, what podcast. They can wait we're a few minutes for razor blades. <laughs> <laughs> but I, the other thing is this, like to the point about, and you know, there's, there, there's good executives and bad executives. Like one of the things that made me want to like put a contract out on a lot of the people who were running the show at Vice when we departed <laughs> is that they pointedly fucked us on the way out the door like yeah. the the executives who were in charge of the company we learned later again like took major bonuses and then laid everybody off and then filed for bankruptcy so that the severance that we were contractually entitled to went into a legal limbo Mm-hmm. And I I'm will sure, just like, a complete coincidence, Rob. I'm not a lawyer, but wow, those seem. Hmm, that's an interesting math problem you just laid out. <laughs> and so, like to an extent, like the riot stuff is really unfortunate. But if they follow through on what they have undertaken publicly, as like what they're you know what what they're setting out to do with like six months minimum severance for folks, no. six months minimum um, severance, you uh, can if you don't have a computer given to you by the company you can request one uh and you're able to keep it um damn and there's Sick. there's things like i mean that is i mean I, I, honestly like <laughs> it sounds that, so that, sad though to be excited about it like no, oh snap yeah. can keep my laptop yeah but like but, when you get yeah. like and, and most like work laptops have like remote access they could shut you off i mean like it, i know that seems like a trivial thing but it is especially if you're like rob where it's like you could say you had one hundred twenty thousand a year job but if you live in santa monica you're i mean like I'm not saying it's nothing, but it, it kind of is closer to nothing than when I lived else. in Mid Wilshire back in 2016. My not so amazing one bedroom was 1,800 a month. Wow! And yeah, Janet, I'm curious. Like decent one bedroom, like 600 square oh. feet thereabouts. What are we, what are we thinking that is now? And not in oh. Santa Monica again, Mid Wilshire. You're kind of nowhere. Like it's you're you're near one notable bedroom? locations, but yeah, one bedroom's always rough. Like in any major city, you're getting screwed on the one bedroom because it's always yeah. like barely less than a two bedroom. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I'd have to imagine, like, I don't know. Maybe it would be like low two k. 
I'm but still, that's a lot. It's a lot of money. Like hundred. Now we're low two k, and like the two bedroom is what like twenty four. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, like I'm trying to think of what my um we had when I was with my whole family. We had a one, two, three bedroom, and I think it was about three thousand dollars. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of numb to rent prices because I grew up in Chicago, so rent has always been kind of a lot. But to that point. It's expensive, like living, yeah. you know, living in a major city costs money and, you know, you do get a higher income, but you get a higher income because there's a higher cost of living, you know, like up most recently, like it was reported that like a hundred K salary for like a family of four um, puts you at low income to kind of, I think, just sort of. And obviously, like that's a lot of people living off that amount of money, but it's not that ridiculous when you think of the fact that usually there's only one to two earners per household. Yeah. And you think about like how much jobs are. And then you think about how many white collar jobs are still at that like 50, 60 K it's like, you know, and then again, putting that in perspective for what would that be in a smaller region? That number would be significantly lower. A lot of times when you read that, the gut check is, Oh, that's like, yeah, it's a low amount of money. That makes sense. That's low income. But for LA, that low income is like hundred K on four people, which is quite high compared to other places. Which is also like, yeah, sorry, Pat- Patrick, you're muted. <laughs> sorry, uh, I just looked up a bunch of apartments. It, it starts at three, okay. like in that area. Ooh. So and we're not talking e. fancy place. You know what I mean? We're yeah. talking. And Riot pushed return to office pretty hard, right? Like, they did. That was, was a, a mm-hmm. right. And so that has been one of the criticisms of as generous as this package is. Yeah. And look, like one of the things that they note there is like broadly speaking, they're letting people keep their emails on for a little while longer, which I know that seems small, but like that is one of the first slack and email access. One of the first things to go usually when, when you've lost a job, oftentimes the reason you find out that you've lost your job is because you've lost email or slack access. Um, but, uh, but, but yeah, I've seen, I've seen layoffs where people were like, we knew something was up because we couldn't get into the building. You know, the key card. card So, I just really want to second and emphasize how true that is, how like you will be like mid sentence. They're like, and we've revoked your access. Now, it's almost like they flipped like a big switch. It's like, and now, you know, um, and that's even true for leaving amicably. Like your stuff goes down like real, real fast. There is no longer a model for doing it again because like HR professionals have made it. It's just cleaner for everybody if you're escorted off the premises and all your shit's like disabled immediately. Yeah. And that is true if like you are like, it's gold watch day and it's like, man, you're my family. I'm going to love you guys forever. And it's still going to be like, get out. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I was, I was talking with somebody <clears throat> for a story last year, uh, and one of the layoffs they'd spoken uh, that they'd experienced in, at EA in the 2000s, like the Dante's Inferno Dead Space sort of era, uh, was that you'd walk into the like Redwood Shores office in, in California they have out there and the, the doors would be open, like propped open with something. And immediately you'd go, oh, it's because people can't like get it. Like you would just know before you got an email, like you could see the prep happening. They yeah. said you'd walk in, you'd see boxes on the ground. Because they're getting mm. ready to give those boxes to people so they can box up their desks. Yep. And like, can you, like, that is mm. so fucking grim. But yeah, yeah. to your point, uh, Rob, uh, yes, Riot did a, a huge, they, they were one of the first uh, to uh, push to return to office because they have a j- big, fancy office with like animatronic creatures. Like, yeah. very proud of our office. Um, and uh, they were, I remember writing a story at Waypoint about they were like, 
controversial about their COVID policies, like early on, like they were very aggressive at all fronts about getting people in an office. Like that was a point of emphasis. And if you uprooted your life to maintain this job out there, and then let's say you can get another job, well, you're probably not going to want to do remote work from Santa. You know what I mean? Like it, it just means that you are then, even if you do find another job, you might be having to uproot your life because uh, riot forced you into this situation in the first place in an industry that has broadly speaking been able to pivot pretty healthily towards remote or at least hybrid uh, work to accommodate people's situations. Well, and that is the thing, you know, obviously the the politics around return to office, we're, get, we're getting far afield at this point, but like the politics around remote work and companies mania for it. We were talking, you're in folks will hear this interview next week. We were talking to a uh, studio head the other day, Patrick, you and I were, mm-hmm. and I started to ask like, do companies have really meaningful costs beyond headcount? And the answer is kind of not really like, yeah, like your headquarters, the lease on that, that is real. That is a real cost. Physical infrastructure, a real cost, but by and large, we're talking about burn rate. We're talking about headcount. And to a degree, like, there are like because of the places where the industry grew up and is often concentrated, you have to pay people a lot of money because rents are so out of control uh, in those in those markets. And so like a game developer, any game developer is a pretty expensive proposition to to like put on the books often just because, you know, yeah, we're in a place like Santa Monica. We we are we are in a place like the Bay Area, uh, and even then those people you know are making like low six figures. It's like you should consider getting a roommate. Maybe that could be that. Oh, yeah. that could be smart. <laughs> that could be. That's good. why you're like, what, what does it take to live alone? I'm like, why would I have ever looked into that? You know, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bold bold of you to ask. <laughs> but no, I mean, it and it also well, it doesn't go out saying because people might not know. Like Santa Monica is also like the most expensive place that you can get here as well which granted you don't have to live next to where you work but it is convenient to live near where you work so it's like the well-to-do beach city yeah right like malibu oh, yeah. is like the ultra wealthy reti- like uh bedroom community manhattan beach is kind of its own its own vibe in terms of city where people work and like that has yeah. a sort of a regional center of industry santa monica is about as about as rough as you can get in terms of rents. Uh, yeah, and, like and when costs. people think of what it costs and looks like to live in LA, they are picturing that Santa Monica Pier and a kajillion yeah. dollar a month property that's really small. But the people living inside of it are like, "I love my life. I can't, you know, couldn't be me, you know." Like, yeah, it is expensive to yeah. be there. Um, yeah, and then it's well, again, we're kind of getting sort of off topic into like just general work from home practices, but you'll see. A lot of funky stuff with that, because there's also then the people that will the companies that will try to say, okay, well, then if we're doing work from home, your job is now going to be like significantly less compensated because like, what are we paying for? Well, yeah, fuck that. It's like, but if the job is worth six figures, like you make make it work in Santa Monica, you make it work for me here in, uh, you know, in here in Detroit. But the uh, but I think I think where this does tie in is like. There are there clearly a lot of really concerning trends in the industry right now. Like, you know, to mm-hmm. this point about what is the long term effect of this, how much talent ability experience is being lost, like how many teams are basically going to be even teams that like ride this out and their projects continue. 
you're going to lose, especially since so often, as we saw at Bioware, like a lot of seniors tend to get targeted and things like this because it's like, well, this is a big salary. And it's like, yeah, it's also a lot of institutional knowledge. And there's going to be a lot of like making things work and like mentorship ability. But even if the mentorship isn't really the primary thing, it's just like institutional knowledge is valuable. Ability to keep the gears like turning and the machine, the machine humming is really valuable. A lot of times layoffs like this, like screw things up for the people left behind because now it's like we have to build entire like new neural pathways uh, to continue to continue working. But yeah, I think just to to an extent, like where all this ties in is like there's there's bad industry trends, and then there's also the fact that like one reason that I think headcount is such a, a a massive liability on the balance sheet is every like cost of living is so high everywhere, but especially where the industry is that you know to an extent you can also say that this is made more volatile uh, by the fact that housing costs are so high, cost of living is so high. Uh, that that paying, you know, like paying a game developer, uh, to to show up to work, uh, the the floor on that now is really really high, um, as and and that is not just you know unique to the game industry. This is something that I think a lot of a lot of places are are a lot of industries are are up against. But uh, Patrick, there is one last thing. Just I want I wanted to cite it because people should probably read this. That was really interesting. Uh, and I don't know. I don't know who this person is, uh, but it's this Matthew Ball piece mm-hmm. um, that I'm loath to summarize. Suffice it to say, it is a deep dive into the numbers of like behind the games industry and its health and performance, like what happened during COVID times and what has happened since. And I would say its forecasting is bleak, uh, that it does not feel like it is painting a picture of a particularly healthy industry from the standpoint of what we call like the fundamentals, right? Like does the math add up for, for how businesses in the sector work? Uh, where do you come across this piece? Uh, it was shared. It went kind of viral on Twitter uh, over the past uh, 24, 48 hours as, as like people have been trying to understand why is this happening? Right? Like, I think like the reaction to all of these layoffs, this, this continued sort of death March is why. Um, and th- there aren't, you know, every oh, okay. he's a finance research guy. Okay. Yes. 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 Um, and and it's worth uh yeah, looking up his Twitter account and and reading through. I mean, the top line is, as you said, like the numbers suggest that like growth in the games industry is like wildly behind where it should be to maintain pace with burn rate, spend, like, and like sales are just not where they need to be, and the industry is not where it needs to be. And there is an, an inevitable, really painful course correction about to occur. Um, and it's going to occur slowly, and it's going to occur over one to two years. And um, it, it paints a it paints a bleaker – I mean, it feels bleak when you wake up and you see 2,000 people laid off, and then you pair it with the underlying numbers that are – at least when you read that, I don't want to say it provides any sort of excuse for – the sort of like corporate malfeasance that we like see on a day-to-day basis that gets laundered through sort of the regular growth uh, and weakness cycles of an industry. But when you see stuff like this, it it gives you a better sense of where we're headed. And it is it broadly seems to point towards sort of a great contraction in yeah. the next year and a half as the industry sort of 
settles back into um, well, a, a particular growth pattern. I mean, the numbers were showing that we're actually like behind growth that would have been expected pre-COVID. Like you just right. take whoop, yank out those like three, you know, two to three years of, of COVID growth. Like the, the industry is. And we're not talking about just straight revenue of like number go up right. growth. We're talking about like he gets into how much are people playing video games? Yeah. Not as much as you might think. Certainly not as much as the people making video games thought they were going to be playing by this time, uh, especially based on like COVID trends. And again, like even if you say, well, it's a decline down from COVID to your point, Patrick. No, it's it's a decline behind where you would expect games to be a decline that is not matched by things like streaming television, which has its own issues, as, as this article points out. But like that is a place where people are engaging more with the content and in games to a degree that's happening less. And then he gets into like narratives that I think maybe, you know, we all tend to fall back on. They're already out of date. Like, you know, the gaming industry is really the mobile industry is like, you know, it's so big now. And that's that's where the that's where the bulk is. Maybe in terms of uh, like overall market share, that's that's true. But as this piece rolls out too, that ain't a healthy sector because you, nobody can break in uh, that people in in mobile are playing the same stuff they're playing like multiple years ago. Uh you know, there's not new there aren't new contenders arriving that's creating like a lot of growth opportunities for like, let's invest more in mobile and like, you know, open a new mobile studio and hire a bunch of developers that isn't panning out. Um, you know, if there's a diet, if there's sort of a diagnostic argument here, it's that to a degree, the. Um, the competition for time is kind of being won by free to play. Uh, which makes it really hard both to launch new free to play because people are already sort of again, like paired with their forever games that they play with their community. But then if you're not making a live service free to play game, tearing people away from those games and saying like, Hey, come play the $70 single player experience is a much harder, a much harder proposition to make. Uh, and people are not taking developers and publishers up on that offer uh, as much as they once were. So it's a, it's a really good analysis, I think, that goes beyond the beyond the headlines we see day to day about like layoffs uh, and like you know sales of this or that, and gets into a bigger, you know, if like game sales figures and layoffs are like the weather, this piece is about the climate of games mm, industry, yeah. and like a lot of climate <clears throat> stories, it is concerning. <laughs> Well, and I, I think it, you know, it also points to the, the the gross unpredictability of like how are you supposed to forecast what you should be investing in? What are people going to be interested in? Where where do you place your bets? Um, and if anything, that might be a decent enough pivot to uh, <laughs> the new game that we'll all be playing for the rest of our lives because we all need to play it. Uh, Pal World, um, oh a game that for the last couple of years has more or less been. Haha, look at look at the trailer. Like they gave like they gave Pikachu a gun. Like that's pretty funny. Um and now in as of this recording, uh I I I think the tweet that I put in our news prep is actually old um because it's it was originally 7 million sold in less than a week and now we're at 8 million sold in less than a week. Um like the Pal World was not a game that I think anyone had on their radar as, oh, I mean maybe this will be interesting and it'll be popular, but that it might that it is currently about to shatter Fortnite concurrence, PUBG concurrence, Dota concurrence. Like it is a, a game on a scale that 
is like once every couple of years, if you're lucky, um, and that it comes alongside such great controversy it makes it uh, fascinating uh, all, all its own. If you're somehow unfamiliar, Pal World, yes, it sort of is like Pokemon Guns is funny. It's also not accurate for what the game is. Pal mm-hmm. World is is really a survival game. If you have any familiar familiarity with something like Ark, um, you'll you'll have an understanding of kind of what you're up to. What it is if, a, a game where you are Ark, but instead of dinosaurs, it's uh, quote unquote legally distinct Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, but yes, yes, but but it's it's sort of I think it's an important distinction yeah. because it is this isn't. There are a lot of – well, Kyle, you can speak to this more than most, and we'll, we'll get into that as we talk about, like, what this says about the state of Pokemon. But while still setting the stage, it, it's – it's it's a, it's a what you are doing – this isn't the, the game that, pe- that people want the Pokemon company to make. They would rather just Pokemon gets better. This is a genre-distinct yeah. take that has – that shares aesthetics with the Pokemon universe and, and some mechanics. But this is a game where you are dropped – like, you know, Kyle and I played – Kind of, I played this game before before it was cool, you know. In the first in the first day that it came out, yeah. um, your before, impact before they before hit three became, million over the weekend, before. before it became an existential crisis <laughs> yeah. about AI. Before I have seen the Ooh. like the always sunny in Philadelphia like conspiracy meme by like people as they're shaping models. I mean, just yeah. truly brains were broken in the last week uh, because of this game. But it's it is in its simplest terms. A, a game where you drop in by yourself or with friends into a colorful Breath of the Wildy looking world um, in which you build bases, you uh, have hunger, you go and fight things, you collect things, and the thing you like your main kind of weapon. Um, yes, you can have you can hit things with swords and bows, but you have these friends, these pals, and these pals are creatures in the world that, as Kato put it legally distinct at least as of this moment well who could say what the future brings there's an investigation um, you know it is it is it is it has been um uh a game that has caused a lot of anxiety because uh executives at the company or i don't even know if they're big enough to really have executives this is a small team out of out of japan worked on a game called craftopia uh before this that you can you can look up on steam you can see a lot of the similarities in the base building stuff that's this present here in pal world. Um, but like, they've also done a game that is like specifically around AI, uh, like a generation, like that's mm-hmm. integral to like how the, the game systems work have spoken openly about AI could be useful for, for game development. There is to date, absolutely no evidence that this game uses like art generation tools to produce anything here. And in fact, you are arguably, contributing to AI hysteria by by saying that Pal World is a game that like was created by AI. Like it's much more likely, although we don't have any evidence for this either. Yeah. <laughs> like that uh it's more in the copycat ripoff territory. Whether that becomes <coughs> a legal issue is something for the Pokemon company to uh to investigate for themselves. But I think it's actually a much more simplistic thing, which is like, hey, they looked at Pokemon, they they broadly sort of ripped off the art and then crammed it into a bunch of systems that are super fucking popular yep. on on Steam are super fucking popular amongst younger players. Survival games are huge. Like building systems are huge, and they you put Pokemon esque characters into there, suddenly Pal World maybe not at this scale, but being a popular game that makes a lot of people happy because of these base systems interacting 
makes a lot more sense. Uh, yeah. Kato, you and I played Pal World on Friday. You, you, I, I couldn't tell if you were joking or you actually were playing Pal World <laughs> late last night because last we checked in when we were scheduling. Oh, that is well, you're the making sound an, of someone. You're making an on. You're making an odd noise, uh, Kato. Because when we were planning out our week, yeah. I asked you, should should we put another Pal World stream on the schedule? Did you, because we left our stream and you're like, huh, this is kind Cut of built an maybe empire I'll, offline. Maybe I'll spend some time. <laughs> well, my thought was, yeah. these games don't really interest me. I do know that they, Kato was making noises during the stream that seemed to suggest a person <laughs> that was going to spend a lot of, potentially spend a lot Look. of time in this game. Um, <laughs> but then didn't over the weekend. Yeah. I like how Kato doesn't so have words, idea, only sounds. <laughs> We think so there are no more Power Worlds to conquer. <laughs> <laughs> my thought for the follow-up stream was like, let's see what Kato got up to potentially playing the game normally because the stream we did yeah. let us go into the settings and turn the XP drops to yeah. 20x what the game normally uh, dishes them out. But you said no. You said no. No. I lived a normal life. I had a normal weekend. Yeah. I did not. I did not engage in this Power World nonsense. And then you <laughs> like about a minute ago, you made a noise. So I need to know what the noise means. Um, yeah, I've just, you know, actually speaking to that downturn in, in playing in like people who play video games, I've I've tended to like shy away from a lot of stuff over the weekend just because I have a lot of house errands that I like to take care of. But also because, yeah. I'm, I'm, I've been recently getting really into board games just to have a thing that is gamey but doesn't involve a screen. <laughs> so yeah. like, uh, that's healthy. That's, that's growing. In general, Kato. I just like, aren't, I'm like, not like playing Kato a ton fish. of games over the weekend. <laughs> but so like, that leaves, gonna end. that leaves the weeknights, which is a dangerous time for, for, for gaming. <laughs> <laughs> Much like dragon's dogma. Nights are dangerous. Nights are dangerous. Yeah. Um, and so I'm a, I'm a fan of Minecraft. Mm-hmm. You know, back back in the day, I'm a, I'm a fan. Here's here's the issue. The, there's something about my brain that really likes procedure that kind of balloons and uh, expands into different uh, possibility spaces. So like punch tree, get wood, then suddenly like the world opens up. It has always get, scratched get labor, my- build guns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but like this, this, I, I, I don't play a ton of them outside of Minecraft. Um, they've never like super, I tried to play Valheim once, but that one felt like it required, it was more fun in a group and, uh, I could never get a group going, but in general, arc or rust or no, it was just like aesthetically, I was like, whatever, I'll go play Minecraft. I think it looks cuter and has more things in it already. I never really hopped Mm -hmm. over to one of the other ones. And, um, I don't, I still, I, you know, I have a couple Minecraft servers that I check in on like very sparingly, but in general, that, that was my entry into like the survival genre. And like, I've, it definitely just, if they do, if they make the ramp just right, like it, tickles a part of my brain that I enjoy <laughs> like and this one you know I started I, I was like I'll peek in um at like a, a bad time of night I was like midnight and I'm like I'll check it for half an hour <laughs> just <laughs> wow. to say that I did you know <laughs> so bold I need I need to set up like a steam notification <laughs> for Kato that pushes to my phone and I'm like what time is it what are they- Kato well, here's the thing 
not on Steam, didn't buy it, right? <laughs> playing oh, Game Pass. playing right. through Game right, Pass. Right, 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 right. <laughs> um, because in general, part of the reason I have kind of obviously um, didn't dive as deeply, I feel like, is I, I did see just the sort of general, like, uh, like it doesn't particularly matter that they probably, there was no reason, there's no way to, like, tell if they used any AI in, like, the pre uh i think the only place you could really use it in this game would be pre-production um there were tweets from like the 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 um the current i'm not technically ceo but the lead dev on pal world from a while back who had used ai generation to like mash together a bunch of pokemon and they're like look at what an ai can do and so it's pretty uh given how close they are to some to like existing pokemon you could you could expect that they may have done that with that's how they generated the what the looks are going to be from the ones that are going to like, you know, change slightly either way. The, like the, like um, the, like the even tangential connection to that always is a little, you know, iffy because then at that point you're not sure where any of the ideas are generated and it feels like easier to just kind of like not engage. Um, but aside from that, I feel like the the way that they kind of sell this 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 world is you know, it's that that like we took a thing that's family friendly and made it edgy uh sort of mm-hmm. like thing where there are ways to sort of do that that where you kind of make a point or like trying to do a bit of satire in, in there. And then there are ways that are just like the edginess is, 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 is fun, right? Like, isn't it funny that we're, we're, we're looking at Pokemon being like, they're, they're your slaves now. Uh, isn't it funny that we have a building named the Berry plantation, specifically the plantation. Right. Uh, and like, None of that feels particularly well thought out. Like none of that feels uh, intentional, and it's you know always difficult because it's a non-English speaking dev. Maybe something got lost in translation. Who's to say? But like the localization does not leave anything. It like does not make a compelling case for they were they're doing parody here that is interesting and says something about. Uh, the way people engage with Pokemon, it's more like no, yeah, we'll, we're like gonna get huge. Up. Yeah, it's it's more of a a, a remix of just like, and it's not a, that interesting of one. Um, uh, at least the way that it's it's sold a lot, I feel like it's like we got guns in here. Well, the game is the game different than the marketing. Yes, the game. Right? So <laughs> the game and the marketing are know. very. <laughs> The Kato, so when Kato and I loaded this up, it was like, yeah, we were kind of doing it. It was like, hey, let's play this game early. Essentially, yeah. like, for the meme. Uh, <laughs> like, we'll find out if it's interesting. Yes. Right? We'll find, like, it's just, it's just, like, especially because Kato loves Pokemon. I was like, yeah. we, we, what are we going to do? We ha- like, I have to, we have, have to like, at least look I mean, at Kato, it. Kato was the one pushing for this. Like, we have to check this out. It's like, I agree. I, I fully agree that we have to check this out. And it's like, we'll do one stream and sort of. Like, see what the whole deal is. Yeah. And the other thing that we were both struck by off the bat, and fortunately I had read about this from impressions prior to us starting the stream, was the guns are deeper in the game than you think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is not so, It is not as though, like, 
Hello, soldier, you've enlisted in the Pal World Army. Like, here's your gun, head out into the wilderness. Yeah. Like, it's it's not it's you not have to the go case. Smelting it, first. Oh, yeah. I mean, basically, oh, yeah. yes. Um, Look, like you, you, you joke. <laughs> and, and yet, like, I need that little sheep creature a, to I work a, a little forge. bit harder. Yeah. We, yeah. We, we, we got some ore. <laughs> we, we couldn't quite get enough ore to, to make a gun during our stream. We were right there on the edge. But it's 100% that sort of, you know, the, the, the crafting um, survival game uh, ramp of like, you're going to start low technology. Like, the, the earliest weapons that you can build are like a wooden club and a bow and arrow and stuff. Yeah. Now, I haven't played Ark, so I'm not 100% sure whether or not this is something that you do there, but I did think there was something slightly compelling about the the when when playing solo, the sort of throw out one of your pals and have it basically tank while you pelt a thing with arrows. Um it was kind of a fun like gameplay loop for a little bit. Uh, and obviously the idea is that eventually that bow and arrow turns into a gun, which is a little bit more uh, like what people were were expecting. But in in general, it just felt, you know, I mean, it's li- it's literally derivative. But like the the there's there's ways that you can uh, sort of touch on a uh, on a theme or like a an idea that. Uh, comes out the other end feeling like there was something transformative in 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 its usage and this is just like yeah it's like not it's not doing anything different enough from all of its source material to be particularly interesting um and I do yet think them hooks are in you well, no, because I'm going to stop. Like this is the thing. It's uh, it's definitely okay. like the beginning ramp. I believe you always hits me on a strategy game um on a on a survival game rather and i feel like i could play i could play yeah. just doing that thing but at that point i'm like what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna go back to minecraft and like start a new world and see mm. what and fuck around in there for a couple hours before you know not touching it again for another year or whatever so i'm which I'm, is cause here's, yeah. the, here's the part of this discourse that i've been a little confused by i'm hoping you all can clue me in because i don't mm. really have a, a pal or a pokemon in that in this fight <laughs> uh <laughs> I'll tell you which Some one of the wins. discourse seemed really angry, is what I would say. Like people were like mm-hmm. mad yeah. this game is selling. Oh yeah, yeah, and mad that this is like the game du jour. And I've heard some of the stuff where it's like, well, it's not really like an interesting critique of Pokemon or doing anything. And I've heard some of that, but like, I don't know if that would justify the sort of anger that like, Grr, power world. And I'm curious, yeah, what? Why are people angry? At Pal World being there and Pal World selling like hotcakes. There's I think kind because of, oh sorry, go it, ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna speak to that. I also I too have played Pal World. I played like an hour with um uh, the squad, the crew over at Minmax. Um, we also did the XP share cranked up, so it's like oh, I saw yeah. you know it's the only yeah. way. if people are gonna take one thing from Pal World, I hope they take that you should have an XP share uh, an XP gain slider within your difficulty settings. Let me crank that up. <laughs> Especially anyway. when you're not, it's it's not a narrative based thing. You know, you're not, you're not really breaking anything. You're right. just, well, I'm having fun the way I want to have fun. At the end of the day, you know, and other than like, I don't know, the edgelords, did, did settings ever hurt anybody? Did I ever mm-hmm. feel less immersed because I could <laughs> toggle on a map? If I didn't want it, don't toggle it. You don't want to read along? Turn the subtitles off. You know, anyway, so <laughs> I will say I was like, 
not going to lie, out the gate, I like that you have an XP uh, slider. And they have a lot of sliders for like the hunger and other things. But anyway, back to the, the question that you asked, like why people are angry, um, besides the fact that people like to get angry. <laughs> I think it's the ta- the tackiness of what it what it's like hook is and the hook is these are kind of bootleg pokemon and and then people also get mad at people saying like you can't say these are bootleg pokemon because like pokemon really just isn't pokemon dragon quest and just i'm like okay y'all are really far in i've seen a lot of takes online (laughs) these past days i think i'm dumber having read a lot of these especially with like it's funny hearing patrick say like oh like because i do think yeah, this is this was sold as Pokemon with guns, but it really is not a Pokemon game. It does not even close to scratch the same itch. That's not to say it's better or worse. They're just different styles of mm-hmm. games. And yet I have seen many, many, many fans say, no, this is what I want from a Pokemon game. And I'm like, it that's it's not a Pokemon game. It's well, then, a different right. game. You're not playing Pokemon, buddy. Like that's like you're asking the Pokemon company to make something fundamentally different than the games they make. Yeah, it would be like quite literally a spin-off, which Pokemon has done spin-offs of mm-hmm. their games. And I totally think if they did funny enough, if Pokemon did Power World, like, yeah, I think that could be without with some fundamental changes. Mm-hmm. Cause anyway, back to like well, they, why people are angry. It's they got just, close I think with just Arceus, the right? Yeah. Yeah. It has like a lot of DNA of a lot of things in mm-hmm. it. But I think people are angry because they're like, hey, this is a ripoff game it's you know even if you don't there's like legal stealing and then just like the the vibes right where it's like you don't have to they don't have to break the law for us to know that's wooloo you know yeah like it is you know it's meant to be kind of a bootleg wooloo and it's funny that wooloo can have an ak-47 that is the (laughs) yeah that is the hook and i think Mm -hmm. people are like that hook is cheap it's tacky it's creatively bankrupt and if you play it you are the arbiter of the end of what games as art should be. And I don't think people who are angry would say that that's their, that is why they're angry, but that is, I think what it generally boils down to of like, you're feeding into tackiness, which yeah, I don't know. The things that are popular are not necessarily going to be these high art moments. Like this pit. I'm, I am shocked. This game is so popular, but at the same time, it doesn't shock me that it is so popular. I'm, I'm more yeah. shocked that it works enough to be this popular. Like I thought this would yeah. come out and, and be like a broken mess, like a what was that game that just came out the day the day after? The right. day That's, after. Mm-hmm. It's part. It's part of why it was like I don't really want to stream the day after, but I do. I, I you know there is a benefit to streaming this broken mess of a Pokemon <laughs> with guns game. And like what we found, like I've heard the Game Pass version was a little more busted for other people. Sure. Todd and I had a perfectly pleasant time with, uh, like what was broken seemed like early access yeah. stuff as opposed mm-hmm. to which like the game didn't crash. It ran fine. Like we got to, you know, um, it was rough around the edge in the way that you expect a game that in theory will be iterated on for several years to be rough around the edges. Yeah. yeah. And it like, I feel like a lot of the things that I saw were, was this sort of, um, idea about we shouldn't reward, uh, kind of blatant mm-hmm. plagiarism, and there's a there's a I have a very sort of um uh kind of I I mean I'm just gonna say I feel like you can steal from corporations and that's okay <laughs> like there's a there's a difference between the idea of taking an individual artist's uh work and you know making money off of that versus uh you know 
taking something that has like the the, the Pokemon company has more money than God. Like if they want to sue, well, they will sue. And well, and that's like, like they might sue. that vibe in that tweet, which yeah. was uh, yeah, so Patrick, you're about to read the, read the tweet. Yeah, so the Pokemon company put out very much a. <laughs> I think the I think the tra- I think the translation says please stop fucking asking us about <laughs> yep. this game. Hundred um, <laughs> percent. So the Pokemon, you know, there's been a, there's been a ton of speculation about what what is is this legally legally uh, like distinguishable? Is there an issue here legally for Nintendo? People also conflate Nintendo with the Pokemon company. Like it's more complicated than that. Yeah. Um, those are like intertwined companies, but like they are separate entities. Anyway. Uh, Inquiries regarding other companies' games, which is such a funny title for a memo. We have received many inquiries regarding another company's game released in January 2024. We have not granted any permission for the use of Pokemon intellectual property or assets in that game. We tend to investigate and take appropriate measures to address any acts that infringe on intellectual property rights related to the Pokemon. We will continue to cherish and nurture each and every Pokemon and its world and work to bring the world together through Pokemon in the future. Um, the Pokemon a line world. that suggests that Pokemon are real and if they, you love them in their hearts, uh, don't steal them. But, I, you know, my, my read on that was in one on one level, chill. Like, don't you – we have lawyers. Right. Like, yeah. we can fight this fight ourselves. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, and but also Nintendo, the Pokemon company, are not companies that traditionally respond to inquiries. Like they usually just no comment or don't comment. Um, so it does speak to the virality, to the popularity, to the intensity of the like specifically around the conversation on this game that the Pokemon company would feel the need to issue a statement that it made it such legally saying regarding another company's game they won't even say like say the name pokemon cup like they won't because i'm sure a lawyer told them don't so they can reserve the right to take action if they feel it's necessary but uh janet i i forget who is the guest on min max that is also like an ip oh Haley mclean yeah she's our community manager Yes, who, she we will maintain as community manager yeah 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 like it's a really important one you know, Ben, he just likes to throw the cash around. He's like, let's just throw a community manager in there. <laughs> yeah, Haley McLean is a video game IP lawyer uh, by trade. And then up. Yeah, so I saw, I, well. there's a, I think there's probably a clip on Twitter. I saw mm. it on, on TikTok. It was one of the more popular TikToks related to uh, a pal world. There's, it's yeah. been viewed like a million times. Um, yeah. But essentially, you know, like she walked through what, what the steps would be for Nintendo slash the Pokemon company to take. And it's like to boil it down to something much simpler than how she explained it, which is well worth reading is like, I don't know. Do you think a judge would agree it was a ripoff? And like, that's sort of yeah. the gamble that the Pokemon company absent, like doing discovery and like finding out, like there's a memo that from the executives being like, ha, 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 like, yes, like copy the, copy those models and import them <laughs> into Maya. That's unlikely to be the case. It would be a judge looking at these two characters, much not very different, than the way the internet spent an entire week looking at model meshes and going, is this a direct copy or yeah. is this, you know, legally distinct? But um, also thinking of like the other layers that, which that's kind of re reopening the thing that you kind of want to go over quickly. But there's like other aspects to that too of, you know, 
what's the impact? Like, what's the purpose behind it? You know, is it parody? Is it not parody? Does this actually affect Pokemon's bottom line? Are people actually confusing the, like there's all these other layers besides like, I think we can all agree that like that thing looks like Wooloo, but also like, that might not mean anything, you know. It's a lot not of Pokemon. things. I don't think it looks like Pokemon. Wooloo looks Pokemon. like a cute sheep thing. That's the thing too. And, and, and then, so <laughs> right? you, like so there's another have... round cute sheep thing, and it rolls around because it's a ball. That's funny. Yeah, it's think, a ball. <laughs> I think. Um, I think too. Like to Rob's point, like I don't think it's for me at least. What I've seen, it's definitely not to me just people mad that Pal World's popular. It's like yeah. the anger turns both directions. So then it just feels like. There's a lot of like discourse and anger around this game because then you have the other end of people being like, well, that's Wulu. And then people are like, oh, Wulu is just a sheep. Are you? And then you get a lot of it's been a, a week of logical fallacies. Well, then, <laughs> then you get like people just taking big swing. So what are you saying? Pokemon owns sheep. What? We ha- we can't look at an animal and make an animal. Oh, I made the same animal. And it's a lot of like. It's a lot of la- I mean, in general, when you evoke Pokemon. It's going to be hell on earth. And I'm also yeah. a big Pokemon fan as well. Um, I, I, too, share this affliction of this terrible... Co- what I feel like is one of the worst communities in gaming is the Pokemon company, <laughs> or is, is um, the Pokemon fans, because nobody... Better or hates- worse than Silent Hill fans. I think it's worse because so y'all big. keep showing so up. Yeah, like, I guess there's more of them. showing <laughs> up is the thing. Like, people will be... Like with with Power World, and that's a tough thing too. Like, Power World can't even really exist as its own game. Like, I think there's a lot to talk about. Like, Takato's points of both the appeal and the blandness of having so many flavors come together at once that there's not really like, I don't really get a strong feeling of identity and takeaway from the game outside of like, sure. They had that Pokemon with guns kind of pitch that society made, but I'm like, Oh, well, what am I really doing? Like parts of the game feel at odds with itself, but I feel like beyond the game criticism itself, like there's just so much mess of conversation around. I feel like this evokes hatred that's buried in a very shallow grave of people that are also just mad of like the direction of the Pokemon franchise. Well, well, if Pokemon's not going to do anything with their games, sorry, someone had the bravery to make a good game. <laughs> with things, like really people are so Stop mad. reading my tweets verbatim, yeah. Janet. Like, I... And you know, and I'll kind of like, you know, I'll, I'll end this quickly because I could go forever with so many examples I've read about from just different sides and people mad that other people met like, yeah, it's just a big mess. Um, I think to speak to what Kato mentioned earlier, um, at the risk of sounding like a corporate shell, I am not like as much. I wish they didn't have like bootleg Pokemon in here. And I get that it wouldn't be what it is with if it, they didn't. So like, I don't know, get your bag. But I feel like there's been so many Pokemon clones. Like, I think you can make or Pokemon vibe clones like with like, OK, these cute little creatures, animals. And I think Power World does have some designs that do feel you know, unique to their game to at least some degree. Again, you could argue a lot of games have chickens, right? But like, whatever, right? Like, there's plenty of creatures that I think are less like, I don't know, copy pasty than like other ones. Yeah. So it just feels yeah. kind of like- I mean, apparently it is, um, has one, has a, 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 a pal that is an implied that it has sex with humans what? and pals. Oh my God. Also, we're doing Meet the Feebles. <laughs> of course. Now I'm interested. Hang oh on. Here. Uh, Which no, palace? So I can stay away. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if, like, that when they add new creatures, you and you see this game go yeah. in a distinctly different. Like, I would be I, okay. Maybe I wouldn't be shocked, but I kind of would be shocked if when they add new creatures to this game, it didn't start to try and carve out a little bit of its own identity to 
now it's so popular that it has an opportunity. This isn't a flash in the pan. Yeah. Like this is this is a big game. It's it's it, it could be sustainable if they if they play their cards right. And my my I, my belief is at some point they will begin to diverge creatively from the creature side. At least well, and you might start seeing to do. like some of the ones that look more like Pokemon start to disappear. Well, update is a tweet. Yep. Like the arc of <laughs> yeah, MOBAs. Yeah. The like, oh, this character, and- <laughs> uh, you know, we're just updating it to bring it more in line with sensibilities. Uh, it's no longer Harley Quinn quite to the same extent uh, as, it, as it was before. Oh, this is not a world. Of, this is not a Warcraft. Uh, this is not a Warcraft character. Uh, yeah. But to a degree, it's just been... I'm kind of there with Kato from to the to the argument that like it's less like steel from corporations than like Pokemon have been around a long time. Yeah. Just like you should be able to be like it shouldn't have taken this long to be like Steamboat Steam Willie's Willy. gonna get up to some nonsense. <laughs> yeah. Now. It shouldn't have taken that long. And like I I'm mean, if we like Steamboat Willie Pikachu, I didn't think I'd sign that deal, but, <laughs> but it's okay to produce like it's okay to produce like kind of mediocre middling products that are like, you know, basically taking like that should be okay. Uh, ta- right. You know, t- taking stuff that's been around and become part of the cultural fabric. We live in a framework where that is not. It's clear. A lot of people are yeah. like, Hey, uh, Pokemon company, you should shut these people down. There's a lot of people want to be cop about this thing yeah. uh, where it's like, <laughs> you should use turn the, turn the IP guns uh, on this company. But I wouldn't say this is like, this isn't Calvin peeing on something uh, level <laughs> or, of or like just straight up like maybe it is, but like well, well, that I was just a straight up copy of the Bill Watterson there, drawing, and then yeah, like I mean to say, Power World is trying to be the Calvin is peeing on something of Pokemon, right? Like I just don't think it achieves. But it's a more right. transformative work than Calvin peeing on something. I was yes. like mm-hmm. that. There's but, there's more happening. Yes. There. Yes, I think, Even if, I think just in barely, terms of but, meaning, it may not be that distinct from like, what if Calvin was peeing on stuff? Right, right. It's just it has that <laughs> the, same The vibes tinge. are Calvin peeing, right, but the look the is. I think the vibes are exactly that sort of like, it's edgier than the original thing. Isn't yeah. that fun? Um, That's fine. But like, yeah, like you were it saying, I it think. It doesn't feel edgy in the game, though, right? That's That was actually one of the things that I found. It doesn't, it doesn't, hard right? To re- because like there's things like it, where it's like less though than the marketing, right? Yeah, like yeah. It, it it doesn't present itself as like hey, hey welcome to fucked up Pokemon. Like it's not. Yeah. Like if, if anything, it's like welcome to Breath of the Wild. You hear a little chime when yes. a, mm-hmm. when you get to enter a new area, and I'm like, ooh, yeah, everyone's I focusing on Pokemon, but it, it's it's taking from multiple Nintendo well, games, like, quite yeah, frankly. Eventually, we're gonna see this image, which I'm about to post into our chat. Hold on one second. Is it the factory? It's the factory one. Yeah, of course it is. Yes, right. I, like yeah, there, it looks that, so that exists somewhere in the world. There is a gun manual manufacturing factory with pokemon in it and you could probably end up making that gun fact ma- manufacturing factory with sad pokemon we can and, all dream oh, yeah remember what we learned during the game that san uh which i thought maybe was like sanitation uh bar that nope. goes down over time nope that's sanity they are literally being worked to you know losing their minds apparently like that is the mechanic that's in the yeah game. that's commentary <laughs> Kind of, I don't, I don't know. I, and it's so, kind of, yeah. Don't you understand? The reason I got an inflatable Costco hot tub uh-huh. out on my backyard Perfectly is for sourced. my own personal right, exactly, sanity. Exactly. Meter. You gotta, you gotta uh, refill like, it I'm, at the. That's why, the why I couldn't get mad at that. Like, it's not a meowith, but like whatever cat character that we had yeah, in yeah. the game just oh, refused to work. Just refused just to work. Refused, just just, just, just <laughs> napping all and you can, day. I'm like fucking. And you see it in the too, corner, buddy. like you can. <laughs> 
you can it, it, it tells you sort of like the gen, like what your uh uh pals you almost or, or laborers you almost say workers however you want to ex- describe them are doing and we just kept noticing out on adventures the game's like yo that cat ain't doing shit that cat's just like we'll build, a, we'll build them a, a a spa and we went out on a we went out on a spa quest to like get the ingredients we needed to build this spa you know that cat did just enjoy the spa yeah. didn't really get, even yeah. get back to work and it was like it was so i have to admit there's i think that is accidental humor i don't think the game really intended for that to be funny but i have to admit like enough moments like that occurred through this like strange mishmash of systems and tone that however it arrived at it on purpose mm-hmm. or by accident i found it to be a distinct enough thing that i, I was I am not shocked then that it is has taken off the way that it has yeah. because I do think it is a like individually I understand the ire and then you can conflate it with the AI conversation like it's all of that makes sense why it got so so toxic so quickly but like if like gun to my head I'm like I, I really enjoyed the two hours I had with it <laughs> like I don't know what to tell you yeah. like yeah the game was fun and like I can sit here intellectually and pick apart all this other stuff. But also, game fun. Well, Sorry. yeah, and it, I think too. Well, go ahead, Kato. Well, I was gonna say one of the things that they like do understand, obviously, about the Pokemon side of things is that if you just have to give them just enough personality to to like have those interesting yeah. edge cases, right? Like, and there's enough like systems in the game where like you're gonna get those uh, every once in a while, and like who knows, you know, hour ten, hour fifteen, hour twenty, right? Whether or not that shine still exists but at the beginning there's a little bit of that like ooh, because you know people like this sort of game and also it ha- it leans into like um the what's the game i'm thinking of? like the factorio it ask like can you make this thing uh automated in in a way that's really efficient uh, you know you get the right pals in the right spots to do the right jobs and each pal has its own specific job it can do on the base and you need different ones so like that part is kind of interesting, but like it feels it definitely feels like it's it's because uh what Pokemon is is less a specific genre of game at this point than the world where Pokemon exists, mm. right? Like every time there's a new side game, like whether or not it like pops off or not, like a mill like Tons of people are going to buy it just because it is the creatures that they love that have the specific personalities that they've had for well over however many fucking years. It's how old am I? Um, uh, You know, like it's it's that thing of like, oh, I know I love I love it when Gengar's a little asshole, you know, I love my Gengar and he knocks over all my shit. Fuck, there we are. I also love Gengar. Um, Because Pokemon taught me to love Gengar the way they taught you to love Gengar. (laughs) Yes. And then, like, there's just enough there where they're like, you know what? I can pretend that this is a Wooloo. I can just pretend that (laughs) my little Wooloo is running around picking up rocks for my for my little automated base <laughs> my and that little part Wulu, like the the ox Oscar, the, you know d- nominated for short documentary and, and this year's oscars a sad tale sad of tale. avocado and, and their lulu oh uh, and it's just, you know it's 
I think it it partially does speak to just sort of the 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 how fucking big. Like we don't need to like belabor that part uh, really because everyone knows how fucking big Pokemon is. Like you, you might kind of you kind of forget for a second between games, and then you see the numbers on the new game, even if it's really fucking bad, <laughs> or oh if it God. has a lot of problems in the opening areas. Uh, it still bad. sells gross amount of uh of of copies, right? And like, uh, the Pokemon company isn't going anywhere anytime soon. So I think too. That's yeah. like it's almost again with the power world thing. There, it's, it's a snake eating its own tail, right? Where it's like, <laughs> right. Oh, exactly. you're mad, Power World, a game you don't think is good is doing well. Well, I've been mad that Pokemon's been doing well <laughs> for the last, and that's kind of the vibes. Like, it really is. It's just a lot of hate getting thrown around. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, um, yeah, I. T- I God, there's so much to say. Well, it, I, I, I will say just at first, like my vibe was like, oh man, like Janet's got this health emotional distance from it, just like you know, <laughs> floating above it all. And now it's like, oh no, she's camped up there with the rebel army. <laughs> like, oh my God, the- am I on the wrong side? I'm scared. <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying some people. I'm with the corpo Pokemon show. <laughs> Some people are just like po- Pokemon should be better, and we're gonna we're gonna we are not coming down into the cities. We are not we are not striking a train. Uh, you need to give that Wooloo a fucking gun. This is what's missing. <laughs> See, my thing is like, and maybe this is like I don't know. Everyone feels different about bootlegs too. Where it's like there's many types of bootlegs. There's yeah. bootlegs. There's dupes. There's like you know whatever. I think we've all had some form of like a bootleg or a dupe product at some point in our lives. But for me, like with Pokemon, like. I wish I could do what would probably be like more enjoyable, right? Where it's like, I can just pretend that I don't know the name of the pal one. The little pal is Wooloo. Right. But like, I can't because I know it's not. So I'd rather it just be Bunger. Or, so, you know what I mean? Like, I think of, there's so right. many yes, games. That's, that's, it, and again, like, obviously, in that world, Power World probably wouldn't be as big. I might not have even played it in the world that it's, you know, Bug Snacks world essentially, kind of like taking that idea but making your own set mm-hmm. of creatures. But I find that to be so much more. I think there is space for like people to make, you know, their own personality in the space. And I wish that this team leaned into that slightly more because like you can have like, you know, okay, I don't think you're like everyone can make a deer, right? But it's like, all right, well, this is like, it just feels yeah. a little too close to. I want to be able to have more space, not because, not just because. I want Pokemon's IP protected, but because I think it allows for like, let's make this its own like cool thing. You know, Cult of the Lamb was fun because it had a lot of the same loop of you go out, you have this gameplay, like you come back and do this base thing. It's another, it's cute, but oh my God, it's dark. Look, everyone's dying. And I have my own light beast with the, how that system just flowed from a, someone that likes hanging out with my like little cultists and stuff perspective. But I think there's, you know, th- that being said, like, there's a very clear appeal to, like, this kind of loop. And, like, obviously, yes, like, the saying the obviously out loud, every game is an amalgamation of other games to a degree. You know, it's not like, that's the other mm-hmm. thing, too. Like, people were like, oh, what? So no one can make anything? Oh, you can make fake vampire survivors, but I can't make fake arc Pokemon. Whatever. It's just right. been, it's been, it's been hell. It's been hell on earth. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, like, uh, the thing, the last thing I'll say on this, though, is, like, yeah, ideally you'd see maybe a little more originality, a little less dark inspiration from Pokemon. On the other hand, like if it's not, if it doesn't crib so directly, 
is this thing a success? Uh, exactly. It, have you created a thing that like can put your time into making a thing that people are going to like engage with and care about? Mm-hmm. Or are you going to be yet another game that goes on Steam and just like, you know, disappears like a rock, uh, you know, thrown into a pond? Um, either way, I think we've I, I think, you know, we've we've got enough there that everyone's going to be satisfied by our take on, on Power World. <laughs> and, you know, we probably resolved it and people are going to be happy about that. Um, you know, you don't need to write in. Uh, you, we know we nailed it. Uh, so I think we can we can leave the discussion there for now. And we come back. Uh, we talk about some more games we've been playing. Back after this. One of the most normal morning routines is a bowl, some milk, some cereal. What changes as you get older is you might want to modify what you're putting into that bowl with the milk. If you suddenly want to cut back on sugar or you want to add more protein, you're thinking about fitness goals, but you don't want to give up the deliciousness of what you're putting in that bowl, you might want to think about Magic Spoon. Uh, Because with Magic Spoon, you get all those flavors you love, high protein, less sugar, and as someone with kids, the idea that I can show them that these cereals can have all of these things and you can think about what's in your body every morning seems really good. Magic Spoon comes in a variety pack of four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. This pack has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and four to five grams of net carbs. Only 140 calories a serving, it's high protein, has zero grams of sugar, keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. And look, you put peanut butter in anything, I'm there, which is why that's my favorite one and I'm hiding it from my children. You can go to magicspoon.com slash remap to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code REMAP at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, start the new year off right with a delicious bowl of high-protein cereal at magicspoon.com slash remap and use the code REMAP to save $5 off. Thanks to Magic Spoon for sponsoring this episode. Hey, REMAP Radio listeners. Rob here. You know, the time was I'd come up with a meal plan for the entire week, and then I'd trawl through the grocery stores making sure I had everything I needed right on budget to make those home-cooked meals. Unfortunately, times have changed, and speaking of time, I don't have quite as much of it as I used to. You know, there's a podcast empire to be overseen. But I can't just order fast food and pizza delivery every night. My budget, and unfortunately, my increasingly delicate stomach won't allow it. Fortunately, for folks in the same boat as me, there's Factor. Factor gives you 35 options each week to make meal planning easy. And not just for dinner. They have breakfast foods and snacks covered as well. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. But it's just as convenient delivering the food you need right to your door. And now, if you head to factormeals.com slash remap50 and use code remap50 to get 50% off, that's right, that's code remap50 at factormeals.com slash remap50 to get 50% off. And now you can head to factormeals.com slash remap50 and use code remap50 to get 50% off. That's code remap50 at factormeals.com slash remap50 to get 50% off.
And we're back. Uh, Patrick, I think you and I have both been playing uh, the latest in the Like a Dragon series, uh, the you know, successor series, the Yakuza from uh, Ryo Gagatoku Studios, uh, Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth. Mm. Quick question. Did you yeah. play Like a Dragon? Uh, okay. I've, I've, so my history <laughs> with the Yakuza series is that like every five to six years, I try one and go, this seems dope. And then I I play it for five to ten hours and 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 get uh scared off by the like density of what what is available in the game. And perhaps the um, unevenness. Nope, not really the unevenness. Uh I, I think I'd have to get further to experience <laughs> right. that. Um, um uh you know that's maybe with the 30, 40 hour mark. Um but it it's so this is so funny. I have to to I did not even know that I'd played this Yakuza game, but I had something come full circle. So I was playing the game Infinite Wealth last night. There's a particularly funny sequence um, with a character uh, here that you meet when you when you finally make it to Hawaii, the main location of the game, which comes shockingly far into the intro of the game. Anyway, this really funny quote, this really funny character, <laughs> and I uh, I shared uh, a tweet uh, just saying like every t- you know the, the line from the character is. And I was like, what the hell? Whose ass do I have to kick to meet some motherfuckers around here? And then I <laughs> tweeted that as like every time I walked in a room full of strangers. Anyway, someone responded to that tweet, uh, Jason Gallup, uh, and they said, I wrote this line for the localization, and it was thanks to you talking up Yakuza 4 on the Bombcast back in 2011 that I first what? got into the series. Hope you enjoy the game. Rob, I don't fuck? remember playing Yakuza 4 and talking about it on the Bobcast in 2011. Until I saw that line, I was going to tell you, my history of the Yakuza series starts with playing a little bit of Yakuza 0 and talking about it on Waypoint Radio and deciding that these games are just too big for me. They seem delightful. Uh, but it turns out I played Yakuza 4 and my guesses had very similar opinions about the <laughs> franchise. But you played the spinoff, right? I remember you talking about I played one of these. Judgment all the way through. Uh, judgment. And someday right. I'm going to go back to my lost judgment save. <laughs> I really want to get to the bottom of all that bullying happening in schools in Yokohama. Very important. Uh, Very important. <laughs> yeah, a national concern. I didn't play like a dragon in part because I was like, I just don't know that the like active time battlefication of Yakuza is like necessarily what I want. Now, Turns out I might actually get much sicker of uh, beat em up combat than I do of uh, the RPG combat. Like playing uh, Like a Dragon uh, Ishin was like a holy shit, I can't take this. I just cannot <laughs> take Like I just want to go, I want to walk 10 steps down the street without like getting in another brawl where I'm just going to like spam a few combos and, and get through it. And Like a Dragon has a lot of combat, but it feels maybe a little more creative and interesting uh, by virtue of being active time. Uh, but the point is the thing I didn't fucking play is like a dragon and like a dragon, infinite wealth for the first several hours. MK and I were like, this is great. Like it feels like, you know, I was, we were worried that, you know, not knowing the context for the story that we feel a little bit lost, but like, Oh, this is great. Like totally it's like slipping right in. It really, really uh, onboards you really well. That's true for about four hours. And then it's like, ka-chunk. 
here are some plot developments that are entirely contingent on you <laughs> knowing the history of Kasuga and the fate of his Yakuza clan and his parentage and his background and you know who who his boss was uh in in his old in his old Yakuza gang and really quickly I was like oh, I, I don't I this would all be landing a lot better and more successfully if I knew like the background of this character, especially because uh, when you first meet Kasuga, I think you might get the wrong impression of him from where his life is at at the start of Infinite Wealth versus like who he actually is is as a character, what his what his whole deal is. Um, you know, so like to to set it up, uh, so your character opens, he is he's sort of making it work as a sort of low grade, low, like low ranking corporate contractor for a job placement service. Uh, hello, hello work. But his real specialty is, and I, I think it feels like all the Yakuza games have this, a slight sociological bent to them, which goes some very funny places in infinite wealth. But one of the real things that this, this game is getting into, maybe the last one did as well. I don't know, but like Lost Judgment, it's dealing with the fact and the fallout of the dissolution of the Yakuza, effectively. The fact that, like, uh, Japan finally shatter the, the Yakuza past um, really stringent, arguably civil rights violating laws to make it impossible to just, like, function in civil society, if you're a member of the Yakuza, uh, effectively, like, breaking up these organizations and driving a lot of their membership out and throwing tens of thousands of like young would be gangsters out of work. And Kasuga's one of those guys, but he's kind of making it work as uh, someone who is helping place other Yakuza members with legitimate jobs uh, in a society where like, you know, you don't have a, you don't have a work history and uh, nobody wants to hire someone who, you know, was clearly an ex gangster. He's finding jobs for these people. And I, I was thrown off because when you meet him, this game has one of the best credit sequences I've ever fucking seen. Uh, <laughs> and this series has good credit sequences. This one has a great credit sequence. And you're like, Kasuga is the coolest, most put together guy in the world. And that credit sequence ends hard with him waking up in what effectively is his flop in a shack at the top of a building and you sort of realize that how Kasuga sees himself as like, I'm a guy putting my life together and doing good work and I'm cool and the whole, the world's my oyster. And the reality is he's badly paid. He's living in a shack, hand to mouth existence. And in the early hours of the game, even that little existence falls the fuck apart and his life in Japan collapses. And right around that time, he is put, he is given a lead and this, this is where the game basically lost me. There's an entire, you meet a bunch of people from his past and they're like, so as you know, uh, you know, the, uh, there was a baby swap back in the, you know, back in the era of, of the boss. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's where the young master was, was being hidden from assassins. But what you don't realize is that actually the young prince of your crime family wasn't the boss's son at all. It was you, Kasuga. You shouldn't have grown up in that so planned. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, he did? Who's the boss? Who's the other kid? 
Who's the young master? I don't know any of these people. And they explain it with lots of cutscenes, but like there are dense webs of relationships and meaning that like I there's there's no, there's literally no way there's there's no way for the game. It's this is a game full of incredible writing, and so I it, like I don't think you can fault the game for being able to like dramatically land something that no. you and I have zero context for. It is, it is an impossible. To, they give us the facts, but there's no way for the emotional weight to have any sort of meaning for you or I. And so it's like, I have context now, but all I have are like, you've just given me a flashy Wikipedia entry, which is a again, really flashy not, Wikipedia entry. Really? Yeah. And again, it's not the game's fault, but I, I'm so did you fall off it after this point? No, I was going to, I was going to see Hawaii. So I got <laughs> to the part where they're like, long story short, Kasuga, you got to go to Hawaii because the mom you didn't know about is in hiding there and we have to make it right with her and she deserves a chance to meet you and you deserve a chance to meet her um and we'll sort of like resolve this this wrong that was done to you all uh due to you know 80s early 90s like yakuza nonsense so boom after like six hours of the game in hanging out with his friends in, in yokohama you're off to hawaii and you're you're on your way to meet your mom and things don't go well and uh in short order it appears that uh the woman you're looking for akane is missing nobody knows where she is and there is the remnants of a really dangerous yakuza gang after her kiryu shows up as like looking cool as fuck uh and is like now a private investigator working for what appears to be like an Illuminati type organization who are also looking for Akane. And, uh, you know, then obviously Kasuga is trying to find her. And the big question is like, where is she? Why is everyone looking for her? And like, why did she go into hiding before any of this, uh, any of this broke? Um, I would also say there's some and then there's a whole lot of like the sociological band uh, goes some interesting places in the setting of Hawaii, um, which we might which we might get to as well. Patrick, well, uh, one of the 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 most menacing forces uh, in in Hawaii in this game is an army. Uh, like a, a mob slash an army comprised of ex homeless that are just like boiling with rage at the injustice of society. And these are the swollest, thickest homeless you've ever seen. It is like, it is like uh, an entire wrestling promotion. Just put all their dudes out on the streets and gave them machetes. And they're so badass. The cops are just like, well, we just have to turn the streets over to these guys. We can't, we can't go anywhere near it. And I'm like, is this the best way to talk about, Endemic homelessness in high incomes areas. Uh, I don't know. I mean, know. The, the, ga- the game has, uh, you know, I can't speak to the history of the series, but I mean, even before you leave to Hawaii, you you see like a like a flasher, like someone comes up to you like in a in like a robe and doesn't <laughs> doesn't show you their junk, but they're wearing underwear. And then a, the scientist appears. It's like that does a Pokemon satire like an actual satire, an actual parody of Pokemon. It's like, hey, there's a lot of weirdos out there, and we need you to categorize, like, we need you to catalog them. And so, 
on one hand, yes, you have this gang that in some way represents like the way like unhoused people are dumped off on this particular island and then they're using this gang as a way to explore their lack of power. But then the game also is like, yeah, but we're going to make a bunch of weirdos that, that like don't have anywhere to go and they're hungry and we need you to put them in an encyclopedia. So, I mean, that stuff's hit or miss on, on its commentary um, for sure, even without seeing where, where all of it lands. But I mean, I guess that was what I was really struck by. And again, like I'm out of context on the series, but uh, like I'm just so struck by how empathetic the writing is from like, Top to bottom, obviously, like your main character is portrayed this way as someone like believes in other people, wants to build them up like they have a good vessel for this type of writing. But, you know, like there's a there's a character that you come across with a really interesting arc at the beginning in Hawaii that has a disability, like is in a wheelchair. And like it's like your character is like so touching and like careful with. I mean, it's just I find a lot of the like the 70 hours I've played. Like, like a, a shockingly beautiful exploration of like masculinity uh, in a way that I have found myself like really touched by in a way that I, again, can't speak to how it fits in the rest of the series. But I, I was like really taken by that element and how, whether that carries me through, you know, a 70, 80, 90 hour game, I, it seems unlikely, but I find myself utterly charmed by the writing in this game and how it explores I don't know, emotions, like within a, a predominantly male cast. Yeah, I think one of the key differences here is like judgment. And, and I think the series is empathetic as a whole. I think one of the things that's really strong about is like it's okay. about friendships, relationships, uh, like judgment is full of just like amazing stuff uh, in terms of how characters are developed and, and the empathy it has, even for some of its uh, worst characters, some of the most antagonistic people you meet. Uh, but judgment, I think fundamentally it starts from the premise that like it's two protagonists are the coolest dudes in <laughs> Tokyo. Like, uh, your lawyer, uh, talk, he is just, he's, he's handsome. He's successful. He's brilliant. He's, you know, like he was the greatest lawyer in Japan. Now he's a crime fighter by choice. Uh, you know, and that kind of translates like his buddy is like, this handsome legendary badass who like could have been, you know, another, another Kiryu uh, and, you know, for other reasons chose, chose not to be here. uh, Kasuga and his friends are all kind of 'er ne'er-do-wells to one, from one perspective or another. They're people that like the breaks haven't come their way. Uh, And one thing that like really affects me a lot throughout this Patrick is like, because because uh, I had to look this up. Kasuga is not a young guy. Like he's our age, maybe a little older. I was going to say he's yeah, he's the, the heroics make you like the character maybe makes you think they're in their late 20s, early 30s. But I the vibe I got was someone late 30s, early 40s, probably. And he's so lost in this world because like he spent a lot of his life in, in prison. And so there's a a lot of moments where he's just like completely kind of does not know what to make and has to make analogies for like what modern society is and how it functions. Now, that is also making room for a lot of mini games. So that is like (laughs) one reason that he's like he doesn't know anything about social media networks or like YouTube or any of that 
is because this stuff is going to come up and there's going to be mini games that we play as he sort of acclimates to this new world. But also the the more poignant part of this is like at every turn, Kasuga feels a little bit like somebody who effectively lost track of the world when they were a teenager, early 20s. And is now coming back in with no more education or even like significant like life experience in civil society, free society uh, than when he went in. But is you know, still now has to make it um, without without many resources and his, his, his resources, his kindness and his ability to forge these forge these friendships. Um, and just a, na- a naivete that is. It's it's written, but he's not written as a as a dumbass, right? Like he no. like there's he is written as somebody that just doesn't know what he doesn't know and approaches every moment in life, every conversation as an opportunity. And not every character is written that way, right? So it makes him such a fun vessel for the player and the characters that bounce off him because characters are frequently aggravated with his, his with Kasuga's personality and his approach, but. I just find it like it's just it's just I guess I, I just can't quite get over how well written the game is. Like even in its most innocuous moments where you are just, you know, there is sort of like kind of a party chat that occurs. Like if you when you're walking around with uh, someone in your in your party, like from one location to another, you can skip it. You can hit triangle and you don't have to listen to these lines that happen. Um, but the game rewards you with like, you know, XP and like sliders and, and like there's a re- the game gives you sort of a concrete reason to listen to this stuff but you should listen to it because i mean there's just so much downtime in this game like the writing i I guess part of the reason i come away so impressed with the writing is because man you like you don't do a lot in this game a lot of the time um what you do is a lot of like watching dialogue cutscenes, and you do fight a lot and you do explore a lot but i would say i don't know 60 40 60 percent of the time i'm watching the thing play out in a game that is like pitched as a, you know, active, like time battle, like RPG combat system in an open world. It's like, yeah, but a lot of the time I'm hitting X, like watch dialogue go by and I'm not upset about it. I'm just sort of transfixed by its ability to have such a high bar for its writing, given that the game, I guess would utterly fall apart without it, even though the combat's much better. Well, I didn't play like, you know, the last, like a dragon, but like, I find this combat pretty, enthralling and like interesting and yeah. fun to engage with moment well, to moment. Thrown like in they, now more interesting, like fights that are going to be harder to win. So there's the dudes just beat the shit out of like randomly on the street, but then there are more grades of like, you're going to need to actually like spec out for this one. You're going to real like these guys over here. You're going to really need to think how you approach this combat. And that's a place I never really got to with um, the beat up combat and like judgment and such. Like, that combat just never that interesting to me. Like you can get nuances out of it. There's a, there's a, there's a skill to playing those games, but it never feels that intriguing to me. Whereas like, I've already had a couple fights where like, okay, this is going to require a different way of approaching this than the, the normal fights that just happen on the street. Like this, I'm going to put a pin in this character. I can come back and fight these guys later. Uh, Cause they are there now to sort of, test like if you want a real like rpg tactical fight here these guys are over here and you can go fight them and you're like oh these systems are actually interesting enough to support that well yeah because the way the way the combat works is it's it's you're you're swapping turns between whoever's in your party 
sometimes you'll just have, you know, one person, often you have two or three. Um, and you, you can look in the corner and it'll say, who's up next? And like when you're in that character, like position is really important in this game. Um, like you can start a fight and a character will be, you know, like a quarter block away from you and you can trigger an attack, but that's going to require you like running the distance to them. And then you'll start the next turn near them. Um, characters are moving during the sequence where you're picking what to do, whether it's a special attack, use an item, a normal attack and position matters because if you can line up two characters next to one another, or there's a character, one of your uh, members of your party is behind them. You can set up like really important chain combos that are essentially vital for you to make progress with higher level enemies. Um, Otherwise you're just going to get your ass handed to you, but it just makes for the moment to moment of the combat has a lot of thoughtfulness because there'll be furniture, right? And you can pick that up and you can use that in the, um, the, there are special attacks that are gain power based on distance. So like maybe you're near an enemy, but you actually want to back off so that you can get your character a, a running start or, um, Kiryu has like different stances that are based on, do you want a couple of quick attacks or is somebody blocking? And then it's just I, I, much like the writing. I am, really delighted by the nuance and depth to the combat system because it sounds like uh, my guess is I would have ended up where you are despite the fact that I have an affinity for action games it sounds like judgment was never going to ask you to dig that deep even if the system systems allowed for it you didn't need to you could kind of just muddle through it here and some of this is just numbers too big so you have to like if you weren't leveled up you have to use the strategic layer to make up for that and give yourself an advantage. But it sounds like, I think you're a little further than me. There's at least enough instances where you have to engage with these systems pretty fully to make progress. And fortunately the systems are like interesting and the game is constantly swapping in different sorts of party members. Maybe that gets stickier as it goes along, but in the opening like seven, eight hours, every couple of hours I have somebody new in there that functions differently. Even briefly you have, you know, the, the character in a wheelchair and they don't, attack but they they stay they, they they are able to uh give perks and like ability bonuses to you when their turn comes up so they're not in a different game a character like that is just shuffled off to the side unseen part of a cutscene and here they're given an active participatory element and it just speaks again like the empathy like there's a thoughtfulness to how this game considers everything that obviously is a through line in the series but uh, I feel it like in every part of this game in particular. Yeah, it's uh, it's a really it's a really charming game. Like it has become sort of the uh, the successor to Alan Wake in terms of like couch game uh, in in our house, where it's like let's let's pop this on and uh, you know, are you interested in playing a bunch of uh, you know, like a dragon tonight? Sure, I'll you know throw that on. It's like putting on a TV show. Uh, when it's funny, it's really like I am laughing out loud <laughs> constantly in this game and and games to be funny is extremely difficult doing humor in games is, is challenging and i don't know that i've played a game that has had like this concentration of sort of laugh an hour in the way that uh infinite wealth has has given me i mean it's frankly it's a huge part of why i keep playing is because i I know there's going to be some sort of surprise around the corner that is going yeah. to make me laugh. I mean, I just did for the first time the dating mini game. Yep. And in so many other games, that 
the dialogue therein would be an afterthought because it's just you're just here for the mini game. It's just filler for the game. We know what you're here for. It's either for a, a trophy or an, I, I, it's just there's not. a But the actual exchanges that you're having in some one off dating sequence, maybe they get repetitive or less interesting. 10, 12 in. I don't know what the arc of that sequence is, but. I was bowled over. I was like, I want to finish this mini game, not because I give a shit what I get on the other side, but because the writing is just inc- like incredibly strong and really, really funny. Well, there's very funny details too. Like as you level up uh, your connection through the in-game hot pick, uh, hot the pick. hot pick. Someone sends you like <laughs> hot picks They're as fa- your bond is <laughs> is oh being God. cemented over text, and they are like. I don't even know what to describe what you get. It's like it's a hand model for yeah. like, but what feels yeah. for like a matronly ass like fashion magazine or something like that or catalog <laughs> where it's like somebody's like and it's hot real pick people and it's like somebody clipped out a JC Penny. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's like, damn, like Costa is losing his mind. Like, damn, I hope I can't wait to get the next one of these. Let's see what's going on with those. I want to see what's going on with the angles beneath that low hem. <laughs> Uh, and, you, and, and you do, uh, but, and, and like the, it's kind of inspired that like, it's a, like, uh, every one of these games has, has a mini game like this, but like you choose your response, but executing it requires texting real fast, having good texting thumbs, mm-hmm. which means you're going to have to hit the, uh, right face buttons in the correct sequence uh, in the in the time allotted. So you're just like quickly like, trying to tap out the thing. If you botch it, like Kasu will screw it up in a in a funny fashion. But that, well, uh, th- like there's a se- there's a sequence at the end of that mini game where you know, you're trying to fill a meter um, up, and if you if you're just a little bit short, then all of a sudden Kasuga goes like, ah, time to be honest and f- like show this person how I feel. And it's a mini game where you try and do as many of the the button inputs as possible and it's a combo it's like text one two x three x four x and it's just and and like in the text like the texting i was doing with the character like the 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 girl i picked out that i got mashed with it was like ooh like little cutesy like (laughs) messaging and did you get the same one i think so (laughs) like and and he's matching like like he matches her writing style yeah. and it's just yeah. that, ooh, 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 ooh. Like, and it was like dying. Well, dying. Also, like, look, all the stuff around Kasuga and dating is just mint in this. Like, there is a so he goes on a date with his primary love interest, though he needs to move on. Like, dude, it's not happening. Just move on. But anyway, <laughs> but the thing is, he blows it in the most spectacular fashion in a way that's like wildly inappropriate but also really poignant uh because Casca like is a guy with big feelings that come out mm-hmm. wrong and randomly uh in places but where that sequence becomes hysterically funny is when he debriefs with his homies at wet kitchen <laughs> and they he's like I think I might have I think I might have screwed up and his wife's like well you know you couldn't how bad could it be why don't you tell us what you said and so and this is like you know to Patrick's point you as the player do not make, make an input for the next 20 minutes. You're basically watching a show now, mm-hmm. a really mm-hmm. funny show as these two guys like debrief about what it is. The Kasuga said, and it goes from, well, that's not so bad. That's a little bit like intense, but you know, like uh, I think girl, you're out. She's, she's nice. She's understanding. He's like, well, hang on. I said more. And they're like, okay. 
what did you say next? And basically unpacks like, and it just pays off because their reactions at every turn as like the hole he dug becomes clear. But also along the way, they're trying to give this guy who again has been the slammer for half his life, like kind of a feminism 101 type Mm -hmm. thing. And it's like, so like when you said you would help out with housework, that kind of implies that like, you're a great guy because you're going to lower yourself to doing the woman's work. And that's not really how we talk about <laughs> these things anymore. And he's like, damn, no. And they're like, no, no, you should probably, you would want to walk, you'll want to walk that back. But, but, but it has to, but I want to underscore the, 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 the vibe with these three is bro. Like bro. Yeah. Like they are, they're bro. bros, but we then they're also doing like a, run, like Pat, modern progressivism 101 yeah. lesson. And, <laughs> They, they mean it like they mean it like they actually it's not like this is what you talk to women because this is the way they want to hear right. it is this is how you talk to women because like this is how, like this is called being respectful and <laughs> it's it's delightful like and it, it doesn't my guess like Yakuza or like a dragon rather is extremely woke it's never going to be called that and yet at like every turn this series is like that's not how we talk about those things. Like, show some respect. Like, <laughs> like, I, like and, and it's in in a way that is effortlessly like charming and like makes that sequence that Rob you're talking about so great. Um, because you like have these these polar opposite characters and the the arc that they go on while they're getting drunk at a bar is just incredible. Well, and then it does it does pay off when you meet the person who hooks you up with the uh, dating app mini game. The framing device around it is like dude, you need to learn to not be weird around women. <laughs> and, and it, like, Kasuga is such a good character that, like, he is weird about relationships and women. He's really naive. Again, he's like a, a like, the character he's talking to kind of nails it when she says you're a middle schooler in an adult's body. Socially, that is where he left off, where it's like, uh, well, obviously, you know, you meet someone, you fall in love and get married and spend the rest of your life with them. And like no concept of this, like intermediate steps. There's things about a relationship. And so like when you meet the woman who's like, you got to play, here's the dating mini game. Here's the, here's the chat app mini game. It is also framed in this like, Hey, you know, it's like healthy to just like talk to people and get to know them and like just have relationships with, you know, not the immediate goal being like, I have to find my life mate. That's weird. And that's going to, you know, you're going to you're going to throw off weird vibes that are going to scare people. Uh, and like all these scenes tend to tend to work, you know, so damn well. And then the ba- all of it is in the background of a pretty compelling crime story in, you know, in, mm-hmm. in the backdrop of like, you know, high, high Yakuza politics. Uh, there is still an opening sequence that we have no idea what the context for it is. The game opens on like a brutal mob hit. That mm-hmm. appears to be like in the oh 50s. right the thing in the rain right right yeah right, and right. we still have yeah, no idea forgotten. exactly what what this like execution killing that we see is zero zero idea um, and so like you're kind of left wondering how are all the threads here going to tie together um, but yeah like really into it so far uh, kind of are you playing with the skipping like a dragon because uh, if it was as strong as this then you know the RPG combat was maybe a good move that I would have been down with. Mm-hmm. Are you playing with the voice acting in English? Uh, no, Japanese. 
Oh, I it's on the voice acting in English by sort of default, or I just kind of click through it. It's incredibly strong. Like I think the voice actors are awesome <laughs> in this game. So I I would give it a shot. Like obviously, if your preference is just to have the you know the the original Japanese voice actors, I totally respect that. But I don't. I, I man, they, I I don't know that I could go back uh, because <laughs> the voices that they have for these characters match so incredibly well to the personalities, at least so far. Yeah. Um, for like that initial trio, I found them to be inc- incredibly strong. I'd be curious once that the game is out if people have strong feelings one way or the other. But I this doesn't feel like a uh, it feels more like a preference as opposed to like if you're doing the dub, you feel like you're getting a a lesser version of the game. That's it's, good to hear because like, usually like. One reason I tend to prefer dubs with anime is like, you know, in the 90s, the English dub was rarely very good uh, in terms yeah, of yeah. just like the quality of the voice acting. And so you it was it was clearly like audibly a better and more like nuanced performance in Japanese. And then the subs gave you context. Uh, that seems to not be the case as much even in anime anymore. Certainly, you know, game like this invests in in good voice acting. It's just I like the Japanese performances so much. I like the 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 vibe of these characters so much. But I often do wonder what I am missing because my understanding is like sometimes dubs can be <laughs> accuracy can be a, a weird thing uh, in terms of how this stuff unpacks. But like with subtitles, there is kind of a can it be one to one because people read at different rates. Uh, people are going to, you know, can, can the subs like cover everything exactly that was said that's meant to come across in, in the dialogue? I'm not always sure that that's the case. Whereas like a dub, you know, a character speaks, you might be able to have that entire, uh, you know, just, uh, just come across, but yeah, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And for, and for, and for me, once I realized how much of a comedy it was, not that like there's something there. I'm getting a lot out of the actors nailing the comedic beats and that being in like, you know, the language that I understand the best. And I feel like that is that is helping the writing. It's helping the storytelling um, because it's so explicitly I feel like that's I think like that's a part, like it can go either way. Right. If you if you if you total misfire on on the voice acting, you're not going to get anything extra out of it from the comedic beats. But for here, I feel like the, I'm, the writing is. The voice acting is is taking the writing and running with it. And then I'm getting something extra, an extra oomph out of it because the voice actors are, are nailing it as well. So, yeah, give it a shot and then let me know what you think uh, next week. Um, I'd be curious if it if it lands the same uh, for you. But, yeah, great, great game. I'm sure I'll stall out on it. Not for the games, like because of the game itself, more just the sheer length. And as we get into February and March and, and more games approach. But um, I guess the last thing I'd, I'd leave on is. Uh, I have so little interaction with this series. Like broadly, you have more than I, but even you don't have all that much. I do think this is a perfectly fine. Yes, you're out of context. Yes, you're losing some story. Yes, the best thing to probably to do would be go play the old games. But then you're looking at hundreds, thousands of hours of gameplay to to get up to speed. If you just want to see what all the fucking fuss is about, you will be just fine jumping into this game it has a good on-ramp you're going to be in the deep end but you can go either fill those gaps in later if you if you find yourself charmed and want to take that but like this is a perfectly fine accessible fun entryway into this series that 
has great combat, great writing, great characters, and maybe it'll lead you to want to check out the rest. But don't let the fact that it's the 11th entry or whatever we're at at this point scare you away from wanting to give it a shot because I, I think it is – I came to it really as as a newcomer and there there's a lot for it to offer you. Uh, yeah, I think that's, that's about where I'm, where I'm at as well. I think I like, I don't want to over, like, I wish I had the context, but I don't feel like it's, it's detracting meaningfully, uh, from my enjoyment. And I, and I do feel like I'm going to stick with it, uh, a bit further, whether I make it to the end, you know, who knows? I think right now I'm in the, like, and here's all the mini games you're playing. Here's all the goofy stuff. And Mm -hmm. like, to an extent, (laughs) there's like always a tension in games like this where I'm like, I kind of want to get back to that a plot. I would love like I've I've enjoyed the goofs, but like it feels like it's been a minute since we've done a plot stuff or or move that forward. Um, mm-hmm. But you know we'll we'll see. I think sometimes it's down to me also to like you don't have to keep doing the side quests. And I think a lot of <laughs> open how else world, will you level? That's the thing. <laughs> that yeah, especially in this where there's like I'm gonna beat this dude unless you go side quest and go beat up on these on these randos. Um, but yeah, I'm going I'm, to, I'm, I definitely want to see this through, uh, a bit more, uh, Janet, one game you've been playing, uh, that you, that you mentioned here is the cub, a game I don't know anything about, but looks really cool. Yeah. yeah this is, um, a game that, um, Mike, uh, Toundro had put on my radar and it is essentially a platformer in kind of a, like an apocalyptic world. Uh, it's super short. It's like, 90 minutes two hours or so um it's kind of billed as like self-billed as jungle book meets armageddon fusion this one's so funky for me so i like booed this up last night i got like half an hour in and i'm like i feel like i could just stop here and then my partner's like or you could finish it i was like i'm gonna finish it and i'm kind of happy (laughs) i'm kind of happy with finishing it this is such an odd one where i critically i probably build this as like it's all right i'm kind of like two out of five, two and a half out of five. Like I'm not in love with it. It is very much a, um, a platformer in which you are like running away from an enemy or running away from a series of projectiles. But the thing that I think makes it really interesting besides the fact that it has an incredibly charming, almost cartoon came to life style of art is the fact that this is such a, this feels like a podcast game where they put the podcast inside the game. And I think that's Hmm. really kind of cool. So the sort of general plot of this, and there's a few little holes there that are kind of like, how long, how much time has passed? But basically you're, you're a kid who like has remained after like humanity's passed on earth. Like earth went to shit. The, it's all like polluted and messed up. That's kind of where it's like, well, how's the kid able to survive? But whatever suspension of disbelief. He's, he's still living. People have gone to Mars. They've since come back to try to see, hey, could, is there something on Earth we can salvage? Slash, is there a way we could recolonize Earth is generally the plot. And as they come back onto Earth, they see this kid. They're hunting this kid because they're like, oh, like, you know, what's going on? Are you immune to what's what's happening here? Can we learn something from I don't know, harvesting your body or whatever? Right. So that's sort of the through line of what's pushing you through the environments is you like running away from these people. Um, there are some fun kind of without spoiling things in mean, the, the short game. There's some like fun, dark twists with that. Like there's a moment in this game where I'm like, oh, my God, like, are they going to do what I think they're going to do? And then they like go for it. And I'm like, 
well, the kid is raised by wolves. I guess it makes sense. You know, I'm like, there's some <laughs> wild stuff here. Um, and something else I think is really cool. So to, I guess to put context to how this is a podcast game that has the podcast built into it, like within the first few moments of the game, you acquire like an old space helmet that has like, it's tuned into the radio station that's on Mars or like has recordings from that station. So you have like this mix of sometimes it's like pop or techno music. And sometimes it's like this American life vibes of like, and now like we're going to hear a story from Jill who is talking about her time on Mars and what she misses about earth. And then it goes into this story of a woman talking about, you know, things like I can't feel as alive as I did on Earth riding my Harley Davidson because moving on Mars feels like a janky VR simulation and tells the story about what it meant to her to take like this long road trip and how alive she felt being like tuned in. Like she's like, I I spend so much time thinking to myself, all these random thoughts and on the road, I still have that, but they're like so practical in a way that they're not in my day to day life. So you get hit with these really like deep, interesting stories, but then it also kind of shifts because she's like, and that's why I turned my dad's do- company into a, a trillion dollar industry. And I'm like, I don't think I like this woman anymore. <laughs> so it's like a really fascinating, admittedly sometimes heavy handed look at society, environmentalism, capitalism. Um, there are some really fun notes in this game as well. Like there's one that says um, it's from like a, it says I turned 145 today as CEO of Oraculum. My dreams are coming true, but what does it mean to be immortal on a dying planet? And I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. like <laughs> stuff like that. I feel like sits in really fun ways. And I think they have these moments where they gesture towards more grandiose and interesting ideas, like through this radio station. And it's a little like cheeky and funky. So while the gameplay is very, fairly simplistic platforming can be a kind kind of annoying with the one hit death and like the low time that's just long enough that you're like yeah I wish I could kind of just get through this but I think that background stuff of the notes in the radio station really help give this a flavor where sure on one hand like is this a fire platformer Uh, I would say not really but is it a really interesting piece that takes some cool swings I would say yes so I was Honestly, by the end of it, I'm like, I'm kind of really glad that I saw this through. Like, again, it is very arcadey and old school platforming design of like running away from these captors. And it can get a little meme-ish with its villainy of like the evil CEOs and how they've kind of taken over things and moved everyone off to Mars. But in between that, there's some really fun, interesting, cool nods to it. Um, All while kind of given this vibe of like, like art wise, it reminds me of like Plan of Lana or yet to be released High Water, that title that we saw at like, mm-hmm. I don't know, an Xbox showcase like a million years ago. Um, so, yeah, there's just some really fun, interesting stuff going on, specifically, again, with that radio station is sort of the secret sauce to me of this title. So, um, yeah, mixed bag, but I'm, I'm glad I saw it through it. It had some really cool stuff. Just a quick question about the radio station thing. Does yeah. it have, run into the problem of like the action interrupting the like uh, content uh, or, or being at odds with it uh, or does it is it pretty unobtrusive and how it handles it. It's pretty unobtrusive. Like it really is just running in the background. The only issue I had is I played on PlayStation and the audio levels like I couldn't get like I couldn't really do a lot in the back end with the audio mm. levels. They do have like 
master volume down in like radio volume, but I'm like, is it master all of that? You know, like I couldn't, I wanted to make it where the radio was louder than everything else and I wasn't really able to. So I did have a little bit of a hard time hearing it. Had subtitles, but you know, um, no, it's really cool. And I like that. Unlike other, like I've seen a lot of titles, I think, you know, integrate these kind of audio notes, you know, there's the horizon, you pick up the log and they let you kind of walk around the thing. It's very low action. I think what's interesting about this is it's all running in the background the whole time. Like you'll be going through these sequences and it's just whatever's next up. And I've taken longer times within a sequence and it doesn't feel like, okay, now it's dead silence because I maybe took too long or they, they clearly wanted me to hear this during like a downtime. The entire game feels like it's continuously moving and has the same pace but sometimes they'll throw on you know a radio station song and they'll be like oh this was toddler pop taking us back to late stage capitalism at its finest and now uh, like you know and then they'll just like kind of effortlessly float between and that's why it feels so much like if I put on my Spotify and threw in some music or some whatever like it's not necessarily tied into the environmental design or the structure of the level but it's speaking to, hey, here's a way for you to get a more firm sense of like the world recreated and kind of onboard you into that without kind of it's like the most casual lore dump I've experienced in a game <laughs> in a lot of ways. Do you have any, you know, you mentioned the Jungle Book thing that, uh, I remember when I first saw this game, they're explicitly sort of pulling from 90s like Genesis SNES era licensed platformers. This is the era of the Lion King, Aladdin, when there was a string of really difficult but really beautiful uh, 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 games like uh, from a lot of Disney properties. But I, I, your age must mean that you kind of skipped over that. So I'm not. I, I, I'm I'm surprised the game worked on you at all, given how much it's relying on uh, your ability to like have a nostalgia for that specific style of platformer that does not really exist anymore. Yeah, it's funny because I guess for <laughs> this sounds kind of mean. Again, I do want to be clear that like I don't think the platformer is like hot fire. You know, it's not like the most enjoyable mm -hmm. experience. And it's not too hard, but it's a little like petty with certain things. And again, the one hit death. I'm like, my policy is as as were those games. Yes, like, like, yes. as were those. Games. And it's like my policy. I feel like you shouldn't have a one hit death unless I instantly reappear or like your your stuff's really short. Where it's like, it's cool, mm -hmm. it's working, but then it's like, uh, you know. But for me, I just feel like the general vibe of like old schoolness. So while I didn't, like, obviously I clocked like the second part in the sense that they're like, this is what we're pulling from. But for me, it felt like any game I might have played as a kid, you know, where it feels like a little bit more of a, it feels like a, what I wrote down in my notes was like, it feels like a GBA game that I would have been like, hey, did anyone else play the Cub? And then someone would be like, yeah, like it was kind of solid, you know, like, <laughs> and there'd be this like, interesting specific nostalgia for it um so yeah it definitely has a bit of that but i don't think it's nearly as as tough as like those games are like it doesn't mm -hmm. feel like an impossibly difficult title to get through it's like you know a little bit of friction but nothing that i think you can't easily like make your way through uh so we're running a bit long, so I think uh, we'll just end with like one last game here. Patrick, you've been playing, or or you wrapped up uh, last week. We didn't get to it. Uh, Cyberpunk: Phantom Liberty, and you know, it seems like you came out of that pretty high. Uh, a lot of people seem to be coming coming yeah. off a cyberpunk renaissance. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I did manage to finish that game. Well, a through GeForce Now, so I did I did uh, finish that uh, through through that way, and it was that was nice to be able to 
have that at like the highest like, fidelity, like on my TV streaming. And I still haven't decided if I'm going to fork over for the, you know, like 200 bucks for that extra device, but I might just because of the experience was, was otherwise so seamless. But yeah, I just cannot praise the main story of Phantom Liberty enough. It is in some ways, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to parse because uh, how many times have we had expansions to base games be, so delightful because they just don't have to paint with like as big of a canvas. And so you can just have much more nuanced and focused storytelling. Uh, I hope what it means is they can take the lessons from having built this slice, which I think represents the best of what cyberpunk is capable of uh, and carry that forward to the sequel that they're starting to build out now. Um, just the the story they tell, uh, which is you know really a story that is very similar. It's kind of a, a mirror image of like your character in Cyberpunk, but played through another. Uh, I got what I thought was like the most interesting ending. Describing them as best isn't really how the endings go in Phantom Liberty. Uh, isn't really how the endings go in Cyberpunk. Like truth be told, there's there's really no ending in these games that is like haha and. Society is good and equitable now. Um, there's really not a whole save the day uh, with the uh, the conclusion of the storytelling in the base game. And, and that's not true here. But I found it to be a profoundly satisfying, emotional, interesting. And all the side stuff is that's the last stuff I have to do. I need to I need to boot it up one last time and go do the last couple side quests. But I I found all that to be really good and interesting and well. And I, I find myself forcing myself to be vague here because <clears throat> I don't really want to tip the game's hands on like what was interesting about it. Um, I, I think the storytelling is that strong. Like the twists along the way are that interesting and the characters uh, are are that compelling that I, I would just, I, I think most people that wanted to give cyberpunk a shot probably ended up doing so with phantom Liberty because the buzz coming out of it was so strong. But if you find yourself still on the edge or haven't quite uh, gotten around to it. I I think Phantom Liberty, it, even on its own, if you were to not even play the rest of the game and ju- just play Phantom Liberty, I think you would have a really good time. But especially so if you've played all of Phantom Liberty or all the, the base game uh, and and haven't had time for this. It's just, just really good storytelling, really good characters. Uh, and like, what more do you want from this style of game? Uh, and so my, my hope is that'll be indicative of where they go with with cyberpunk 2 or whatever they call it but uh yeah great great little expansion i'm really really happy i finished it cyberpunk All right, well. 2078 <laughs> <laughs> just let the clock go further <laughs> Uh, all right, well, that will do it for another episode of Remap Radio. Our theme our theme song is uh, by Too Mellow. You can check out his work on TooMellow.net. You can follow everything we do at Remap Radio on Twitch, Blue Sky, Twitter, YouTube, and other platforms. Once again, we rely on our audience for support, and you can sign up to become a backer by going to RemapRadio.com and following the links and instructions you see there. This week, subscribers got to hear... What did they get to hear? Oh, God, that's right. It's, a, it's an episode called <laughs> Nasty Boys. <laughs> uh, you might based on just various things I've been contemplating for a while you might know what that episode mm. is about um, but uh, so yeah we'll, we'll we'll hear you can hear me and Patrick talking about um, me finally committing to just a whole new way of being just a whole new just a whole new way of life uh, around, around here transformative absolutely live, live not <laughs> 
Uh, eSport also lets us set aside time for streaming. This week, uh, what did we have this week? Was it more Lunacid? Yeah. Yeah, we returned we returned to Lunacid. Uh, great game. Can, hey, you know, kind of speaking of games that are only be- only made better with guns. Um, <laughs> Lunacid. Lunacid joins the has joined yeah. the party. Uh, yeah, we're, we're, the <laughs> it, it has. Yeah, we're we're yeah, we're making our way through Lunacid. We're actually it's not that the end end is in sight, but the back like third of the game is kind of right in front yeah. of us and we're working our way through some of the extra content that is easily missable by um we're doing some coffin stacking. Yeah. In this game, there's a there's a I magical you've all power heard of coffin in Lunacid. But, <laughs> brand yeah, new but this trend. is coffin stacking. Coffin stacking. <laughs> Uh, you can you can summon coffins uh, at will uh, in in the game, and you can use them to get to all sorts of places that not that you shouldn't, but that uh, don't necessarily seem obvious or top of mind. It's a it's a really interesting game that mm-hmm. lets you bend what's in front of it in in ways that are it feels are not always obvious. It feels like every but it rewards your curiosity. Yes, exactly. I was going to say I feel like it, it's like. You think you're about to break the game in some way or something glitchy is about to happen, but they considered the possibility a lot of the times, right? Like we yes. found a lot of things yes. like, oh, they thought of this. There's something here for us. <laughs> well, one, it's it's fascinating because you contrast it against it's it's what people do in games, older games mm-hmm. like the original Kingsfield games, but the designers didn't account for it. But this game is made by a fan of those older games and thus understands what players did to break and bend it and then have the game accommodate that or at least react to yeah. that. And so that makes for something really fascinating if you understand its historical context because it is it is born out of fandom in a really good way. Um, you know, the Pokemon fans a might rarity. be <laughs> Kings Kingsfield fans, delightful. Yeah. And uh, when people get, this, get their hands on this episode, we might be doing full four-person lethal company, uh, which means entire game mechanics brought into play. We might have someone back or, at base or on, the, on the radio. Or, 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 or all four of us just could go in and get fucked up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> we can grab hey, can more things with over four the... hands, you know? Mm-hmm. Four sets of hands. That's better. More efficient. Four people to knock over a turret this time. If we look... <laughs> The real crime of the last stream, like if we'd had four people, we mm-hmm. might not have come completely unglued when they, lo- yes, when our goody, when our goody rocket ship landed on a beehive, we might have um, had a, we might have been able to work through uh, that rather than like wiping, trying to collect our shit. <laughs> Still kind of mad about that, but hopefully <laughs> by next week and another episode of Remap Radio, I will be over it. Until then. Thanks so much for choosing to spend some of your time with us. Fuck capitalism. Go home. I do need like five minutes to get more water and hit the washroom. Okay. Yeah, sounds good. Oh my god. <laughs> this is what happens. I was like, that's Pansage with a gun. I searched Pansage with a gun. That was the first image. <laughs>
People out here just remixing. You know what? <laughs> Take the Pokemon. <laughs> I do have to go. To, I do have to go to the bathroom too. But I have to find something to share with you when someone's sharing with this Mia. Also, Kato. Now, not that I like didn't. I feel like I did know that you liked Pokemon, but like I don't. I don't know. Maybe I didn't. In a sense, <laughs> I'm so excited to for the next game to drop to have someone to talk about. <laughs> oh hell yeah! Oh no yeah! I fucking lifelong. Hold on. Let me look at my fucking water bottle. Oh my god! Cute. Yeah, Gengar is so good. Gengar is my favorite. <laughs> ah, that's so cute. I want the Gengar one so badly, but I don't want to like pay the resellers, so I'm just waiting for like one yeah. day to pop up at like yeah. a grocery store or something. No, yeah, but, yeah, like it was my Pokemon first... lifelong affliction. Yeah, it was my first RPG. It was like red, playing red on in the backyard, back back seat of my parents' car is like formative memory you know so it's it's been a lifelong struggle <laughs> yeah that's I, the thing um, that we no didn't, same yeah i was gonna say that was the thing that we didn't get into it was just like the way poke the the reason pokemon fans are the way they are is that they've been holding this <laughs> deep inside them for how how many years at this point yeah uh, um it's just there's so many problems so much so much power over them yeah it's wild then there's the like I think the thing is too is so many people like I'll see you know like again the power of v Pokemon internet discourse could yeah. be an entire podcast series truly because you'll see every issue that's ever like been had like a small city <laughs> yes, <laughs> of the heat generated <laughs> what's, what's the other thing I saw you see the this is a common thing you know people like pro power world people they'll be like Oh, like who cares? I haven't played a Pokemon in game in like ten years, and maybe that's true. But I feel like anyone who's throwing I haven't played Pokemon in like ten years, I feel like you're capping because the real people <laughs> who don't care about Pokemon are like, oh, I don't know, I just haven't played the games in a while. Like if it comes up, but I feel like what you was got 10 years ago Ultra Mega years? Scarlet in Violet Deluxe, and you're making your shit sandwiches and you're pissed about it and yeah. you're taking it out on me. You could stop making the sandwiches at any time. No one made you. Um, yeah, but. What was that? X yeah, and Y? Was really ten, ten years ago was X and Y? X and Y was a good X one. X and Y did hit. <laughs> Honestly, they're like for me, because like I had my I was into it as a kid. Yeah. You know, I did the Game Boy games. Like I had I had red uh or and or blue. Then I got yellow, even though it's like you just fucking walk with them. And I'm like, who gives a fuck? I love him. You, yeah. you never love the way to, I love. You get to talk to him. You get to talk to the yeah. Pikachu. Who oh, wouldn't God, want so, that? <laughs> the art is so cute. Yeah. You get that fucking million dollar bike right around, <laughs> right around the city. <laughs> um, you know, probably hit a couple of the GBA games, took a break, like unintentionally, yeah. came back. And that's the thing, because it's so long running. It's like, you can have a whole life and come back. Yeah, you can just like. <laughs> and there's a new game out. waiting for you. I didn't, I never um, played the third generation games either time that they came out. Yeah. <laughs> is that, um, is that that's, Sapphire? Uh, no, that's wait. Uh, emerald, maybe? Or? Em yeah, yeah, I'm no, just that one. Th colors. Those, those, the e emerald and ruby. Yeah, yeah. That, that, okay. that generation didn't play them. Didn't play them when they came back around either. Totally, just yeah. was was on a Pokemon break both times. <laughs> Honestly, Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire. Yeah. that's like what brought me back. Like I hit up nice. those games, and they had. I think they still probably hold up, even from a quality of life standpoint. So if you ever feel like unearthing something. I mean, you should maybe. give those a swing. I because have to restart. I remember I fucking... them having so much good shit for quality of life, like stuff that they right. 
went away from where I'm like, why did you, you solve so many problems the and fucking, then you left. They had like this fucking, like it's played. It's really the, cool. The, etern- the eternal question with game freak. Why did you take that really nice thing mm-hmm. the, out of the game that was in the previous game? Why put, put it back, please. <laughs> like, uh, it happens every single generation. Um, yeah. no, I, li- I have to, I, my, my, uh, switch got stolen when I was like 20 hours into Scarlet and Violet. Oh uh, my God. So I'm like staring at a blank, a blank, a new save and being like, I want to do this, but I don't have the time. <laughs> like I, I want to actually go back and finish Scarlet and Violet, but I, there's no way I'm going to be able to play a fucking RPG, uh, unless I'm streaming it every day. <laughs> Scarlet and Violet was, that was like, I played that and I'm like, we're all the haters, right? Is Pokemon bad? Like, like, because I'm such, you know, and and there, yeah, and there's like, I don't know, I'm a firm believer too, and like everything has stuff to critique, right? But like, Pokemon is such a punching bag for so long, and I get like, what could be better? Like, everyone wants to play backseat developer with Pokemon because it's been running for so long, yeah. But like, Sun and Moon, fire. Yeah, you know, a sword and 100%. shield. I fu- I always fuck with sword and shield. Motherfuckers came back out of the woodwork. You know what game was actually good? Sword and shield. I told you. <laughs> I tried to tell you. You were too busy mad that the was sand okay. was only like eight was, yards long. It was fine. It was fine. I, Move I, I'm on. still I'm still a sword and shield hater. I'm sorry. It's not. No, I don't. The soccer Kato. Let me tell you about soccer. Are, are you still yelling about Pokemon? Ben, yeah. Don't worry. This is gonna go after the end of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we uh we had an entire segment about their. We haven't, we haven't done that in a while. Yeah. It's been a while. Since a, we had a there's so much Post-pod Pokemon. Miyakato uh, need time to yeah, like absolutely hash it out. Well, look when the new one gets announced. Oh my god! Like, look, uh, look now. There's two of Jan- us. I, I'm not sure I can I guess, wait I guess, though. There's like a pressure to have this conversation. <laughs> uh, just just building. They're they're both bursting. <laughs> Finally, someone will be around to do more than just nod their head well, when Kata talks about a Pokemon it's rare, game. <laughs> no offense to everyone else that exists making content, but it's rare, it's rare to find someone who loves it, but also can like right. get to see the poo on the shoe. Because I feel like too often it's like there's a you lot get of, too much of one or the other. There's but there's a lot of fan poo-poo. brain out there of just like if you're in it, you're you're so yeah. in it. And yeah. th- there's like this this uh, inherent like like the, this reflexive sort of uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for when you're uh, defensiveness around yeah. being an adult Pokemon fan because you know other gamers who play quote unquote serious games like gamers on on the internet have been bashing Pokemon since you know yo it's a fucking kitty game whatever I'm playing COD that sort of thing that <laughs> stuck in people's minds right like it, like I mean I'm obviously like. Who gives a fuck? It's obviously a kids game, but kids games can can be fun for anyone. Like the way I watch fucking cartoons. Like, uh, but there's so many people out there who have this sort of like, no, it's cool still because of X Y Z, and they feel like this need to defend not just it as a yeah. game that that they enjoy, but also then also extend that defensiveness to anything the Pokemon Company, like any slight towards the Pokemon Company and the the people who produce the games that they are defensive about playing, right? Yeah, um, I'm a Pokemon both sides here is what the truth is, I guess. <laughs> yeah. like, it doesn't sound good Pokemon when you centrist. say it like that. Yeah. Where I'm like, uh, um, I'm sorry, this is like one of the best and most accessible like RPGs yeah. ever. And then I'm like, wait, hold on. It's also kind of kind of trash in a lot of spots. Like, yeah. What's the- yeah, 
100%. The sandwiches look so bad, Kano. The sandwiches looked so fucking bad. Oh, but and it was, what, what about if you put it, a little slowpoke tail in there? You put a little slowpoke tail in there. Yeah, it was it was We not went from a good fucking mechanic. fucking camping, making curry, we're hanging out. I got the sauce. Motherfuckers are you know rolling around and shit. I'm I'm throwing out toys and they're like fucking cats. Hey, quick question. So, yeah. Oh, do you want to make a low res sandwich? <laughs> we talking about literal cooking in the game? Yeah. 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 Yeah, okay. yeah, they've had it for a couple yeah. of games. I, I, I wonder if we wandered into the realm of metaphor. No, 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 no. Like no, no. no this is all very good. real. Did you know no, no, that no, no. slowpoke tails mi- are edible and they people eat them? You can cook them in the game and feed them to your other Pokemon. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's delicious. It's more like Power World then. <laughs> Can't wait to see what Power World does with that. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> 